Today is Friday, December 15th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Oh, buckle up and get ready. If you like scholarship and deep theological discussions, oh, this is a podcast for you. I apparently am much more shallow than that. So um, anyways, there are many people who enjoy this and like it, so this one is for you. Everything we talk about is deep today. So, um, someone leads a conversation with the, you know, gentleness and respect and Christian divisiveness, um, you know, going on, you know, on not my podcast so much. And if you think it's a lot of my podcast, don't listen to any others. Um, anyways, but, uh, the, the greater platform at large has a lot of Christians who are like, you're a heretic, you're a heretic. Ah, everyone's like pronouncing judgment and they say, why is this? Why don't Christians just take a ch step back and chill? And even if there is someone who's like a legit heretic, then, you know, show them their error with scripture and a little bit of humbleness and gentleness instead of yelling and screaming like crazy people, um, which you will get a slight taste for today. Um, but, but if you think, again, it's bad here, oh man, don't go anywhere else. <laughs> okay. It's really not, but it's a very, very deep, long conversation. Then we get into the eternal sonship of Jesus and the Trini uh, Trinity, Trinitarian topics, and that goes very, very deep for very, very long. Then Steph has enough. <laughs> she gets him. She, she goes pretty hard after uh, Professor Mack, who is not a traditional Trinitarian, um, as you will hear, and uh, she gets a little fired up. So I think, huh, that's uncharacteristic. Anyways, then we talk about um, objective morality and def definition of terms. Then we talk about presuppositional apologetics. So uh, these are your topics. And there's some other stuff sprinkled in. But if you enjoy like going deep, deep, deep in, in these theological topics and discussion, this one is for you. Everything about this entire day is incredibly deep, deep, deep. So... Uh, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out, which, by the way, I, oh, why, I'm such a bad self-promoter. Why didn't I do that? That would have been great. Ah, someone remind me to do that next week. Like, I think, hey, check out my Ask a Christian book. That'll solve church divisiveness. <laughs> uh, it'll at least give people um, some tools to use to have civil conversations with people who are not always so civil. Kind answer deflects wrath, stuff like that, you know, stuff the Bible says. Um, so anyways, oh my gosh, that would have been great. Anyways, you guys can benefit. So check out the Ask a Christian book to have civil conversations with people who are not always so civil and to cut down, curtail the divisiveness. Um, anyway, you can also check out the Ask a Christian store. All these links are in the podcast description, so just click through them and visit the shop, grab a t-shirt, something like that, um, because we are trying to share the gospel with people on the internet and in the case of today, curtail divisiveness between Christians. So, um, read your Bible, do what it says. Have an awesome day. See you next week. Like, when when we're talking with people about scriptural things, things that we believe in, things that we, you know, hold to, um, when, when we're talking to people, why why don't we have scriptural backing to help back us up all the time like what like like it, let, let's say we're we're giving somebody the um the way to salvation 
like you know we can go through the romans road romans 6 23 uh roman uh romans 5a romans 3 23 you know all of that we could we can go through that but like when it's other things like um when we're refuting you know one belief over the other or stuff like that how come at times when we talk when we talk with people it's more like the history of where we came from and stuff like that rather than scripturally why we believe that why why is it that we haven't like built that basis of scripture to combat with the the script the scriptures and the way that they're like like the other person that we're not necessarily fighting against but that, that we're having the discussion with that may believe a different way why why is it that we don't like have scriptures a lot of times to back up like our point of view rather than just you know firing from the hip and saying well you know the the church fathers the the history you know blah 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 what why is that uh well there's a lot of directions to go so first thing working from the from outside in you will almost never hear me say a word about church fathers, except how boring they are. Um, I mean, that that's just not my thing. Um, the, now going from the inside out, the first thing I heard was in relation to sharing the gospel, right? So um, if I heard you right, I'd say when people ask, like, you know, when we're trying well, to share what, the gospel. Hmm? Yeah, well, what I mean by, like, sharing the gospel, when, when I said sharing the gospel, you know, we got it. We got it down. John three sixteen, Romans five eight, all that stuff. But like when we're when we're having an issue with like people who may not believe like exactly like we believe, and like they okay, let's just say, is it all right if I call call names out? Like it, it, it's it's just it's it's not sure, something that actually happened. Especially if it's Chris. But it's, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> no, it, it's not something that actually happened. But like. Like, say, we know Baptize and Bob are strictly oneness, and they come in, and, you know, we call them trolls and everything. Um, and and they, they, they come in, and, and, you know, we say something, we give them a scripture, and then they're like, well, you're wrong, you know, and they, they start going into their belief and then they bring up like 17 different scriptures, um, even though it may be the same scriptures every time they bring up those 17 different scriptures to back up their belief. And, and a lot of times I've heard people and maybe it's because the lack of wanting to deal with them, wanting to deal with, you know, what they have to say and stuff like that. But, you know, I've heard people just go, well, you're just wrong. You're stupid. You're ignorant. You don't know what you're talking about. You need to learn how to read. Now say you the know, name. Games. Huh? <laughs> now say the name. <laughs> um, <laughs> Steph J. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, but like, you know, like, like we'll do that and, and, and we won't like give them 20 scriptures to their 17 that prove our point about the same scripture that they're talking about just in a different light you know like like why why have we resorted to to just okay well i mean i understand like you know they're not going to believe but like say if it's public 
you know, people that come in and listen to that later, because I, I guess I guess the what I'm getting out of this is, you know, I I said something in a little thing that I had uh, like a week and a half ago, and um, it's ballooned. I mean, it's it's gone into this big whole ordeal. Really, what you say? Well, I I said that it just seems like that right now there are that contentions and like people are fighting against one another and like you know it's just so you know it's just so crazy right now and i said why can't we get back to just god why can't we get back to you know studying god believing god talking about god instead of fighting with one another over everything well, then someone came in to talk to me about it, and I forgot that it was public and not private. And I said, <laughs> I, I, I said a couple things that I was, I, I, I wasn't wrong in what I said. But after, after I said it, and I looked, and and then I started getting like the things of people coming in and and and, and talking on it. I was like, oh shoot. I uh, okay yeah so there. <laughs> and like and now well, it's just like yeah this so uh, big, well thing. first of all no one ever no one ever tells me about you know problems they have I guess they I don't know why does no one ever want to have private conversations telling me off um, maybe I'm just unapproachable I guess that's fine okay so going all the way to the beginning um, whenever we're talking generally not about the Christian thing first but with like just other non-believers like you know I I I I'm guilty of that a lot because you know whenever. When I tell someone the gospel, I'm like, look, guys, just believe the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Believe he died for your sins. Ask for forgiveness, eternal life. But the reason I don't cite all the backing verses when I say that stuff is because usually it's part of a diff- of a completely nonsensical conversation about, like, you know, why does uh, – I don't know. Why is eating meat okay but plants – or eating meat is bad but plants is okay because they have feelings too. So, like, usually when I shove the gospel in there – it's just because, like, whatever topic we're, we're talking about, like, whatever question they have is not about the gospel at all. And I'm, I'm like, determined to shove the gospel in there. I'd be like, look, guys, I get your concern for the plant life. Peace be upon them. But the ultimate point of everything is eternal life with Jesus. Here it is. So, I mean, uh, I mean, they would just walk away. Like, there's not time to shove all, in, all, all that in and the scripture references. Um, but going to what you're talking about with, like, people who also say they're religious or Christians too. Um, I mean, I think we do. I mean, maybe at this point it's because like, you know, we've talked to those people you mentioned just ad nauseum so many times um, that maybe you haven't been here for all of those, but um, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say that's been done. Like there's countless hours of multiple people sharing verses, trying to hold their hand, trying to walk them through it to just obstinance. So maybe, I mean, you know, we don't really let them on stage anymore at this point. Cause I mean, they're, you know, someone made a good point. Like, look, it's just, if there is a reprobate, they are in the running. I mean, you know, we don't know they're in, but short of like divine intervention, um, you know, we've told them everything we can. So maybe it's just frustration at this point where it's like, look, you already know what we're going to say, blah, blah, blah. I can't speak for everyone. That's just my, my guess. Um, and then about the Christian infighting. Uh, yeah, I blame Clubhouse for that. Like, you know, they took away the ability for people to find us. So like, we don't get new people that often. Because uh, it's hard for them to find us, so it's just like the same people. So it's like you know people who have kind of like this warring spirit um, when there's no outsiders to you know share the gospel with or you know uh, theologically fight against. 
well, you just turn to the next thing that's farthest away from you. So, I mean, in a room full of Christians, um, that's going to be some type of Christian. So I don't like it. I hate it. It makes me cringe. Um, but that's that's why I think that is. Um, yeah, and I I want to I want to speak to something, Bubby. I'm I'm not in a cult or anything like that. I Bobby yes, said you're in a cult? I'm not. Well, he he says I'm like. He didn't necessarily say I'm in a cult. He yes, he's been all of Pastor Sam's other minions are all in a little cult trying to support okay, him. Okay, hold on, hold on. Don't be the thing we're talking about. Ever, say whatever you want. No. Just nicely and easily. No, I'm not in a cult. Just because someone doesn't agree with your belief or someone's belief does not make them cultish or put them in a cult. And yes, just because do someone going... doesn't agree with your belief doesn't mean that Cherry and Sam can call every Calvinist unsaved. I understand that, Bubby. That's what I'm trying to understand. That's the whole reason why I came up and asked the question like I did to Nate, because I want to get back to the basics. I want to get back to where Scripture is being discussed and the differences between Scripture and the misunderstandings, not the pointing people out, saying things and stuff like that. That's the, that is not at all... So if I were to call out another brother or sister on stage and tell them, even though they're fully well Christian and it's a second order issue, that, hey, you're unsaved because you hold to a non-Calvinist position, you would check me immediately. Everybody would check me immediately. But the moment. Well, let's just find out real fast. Adam, do you think Calvinists are unsaved because of their Calvinism? No. Bubby, do you think uh, non-Calvinists are unsaved because of their non-reformed views? No, but that's not the issue, Nate. The issue is the, people that, point. the people that do say it, like Cherry and Sam, which is the crew that Adam and the rest of these Arminians end up running with, never check those but statements. Bubby, they never I'm not check Armenian. those statements. I'm not Okay, well, well, I mean, there's also... There's also personalities, right? I mean, I'm far from this because I don't go hang in other people's rooms. So, you know, maybe take a take a book out of my page, a page out of my book. But, I mean, you know, whenever Sam occasionally, not near as much as he used to, comes in here, like if I was in a room and, you know, he's, if I was just listening in the audience, he's like, Calvinists are damned. I'd think, well, he's wrong, but I'm not part of this conversation, so I may not call him. If I'm talking, he's like, Nate, I'm telling you right now, if you associate with Chris and Bubby because they're Calvinists, they are unsaved and you're in danger too. I'm like, dude, Calvinists are not unsaved. I'm not going to yell and scream at him. It's not my personality. So, I mean, there's different personality types. There's yeah, but nobody says Calvinists aren't unsaved to them. That's the problem. And Matt, are they, I are, your are response they, well, what that? I just said. Like, Wait, I may but, not say it. If I'm cooking dinner and not part of the conversation, but I'm in the room and I hear him say Calvinists are unsaved, I'm no, not No, these are audio him. threads, Nate. And these are audio threads. You can respond to these at any time. CEO, please stop coming off your mic. But, Professor... Professor, here's the thing I need to respond to your comment in the chat. Yes, the reason we went after that is because we're going over first order issues, not second order issues. Second order issues entail things such as paedo-baptism versus credo-baptism, Arminianism versus Calvinism, not things like the Trinity and the true Jews being Israelites. Those things are first order issues that we have problems with. So when All you right, say, oh, they lead the attack and they can't take it back, no. We lead against first order issues because we don't kumbaya like the rest of those Arminians do. All right, let's give CEO a chance. CEO, I forgot to call you because uh, it just went crazy real quick. What's up, CEO? 
Hey, um, hope you're good. Um, Bubby, I'm just trying to understand, like, are you saying Adam's responsible for the things people say in the rooms that he participates in? I'm just trying to understand what your specific challenge what, is. Okay, let me, let me lay it down again. The problem is when you have your quote-unquote brothers and sisters calling other quote-unquote brothers and sisters demonic, unsaved, that their god is Satan, a.k.a. What, pa what Pastor Sam has said, and then you don't check immediately those brothers and sisters and be like, hey, I understand your sentiment, but you shouldn't be saying that type of stuff. And if anything, playing defense and apologia for half of those statements and never correcting them, you're a problem too. It's not just the people that are saying it. It's the people that are inside oh. their little camp that never checked them Bobby. Bubby, I wouldn't say he responded to me. I just want to say one thing. So I have to actually agree with Bubby on this one. That seems like a fair critique. Uh, hang on, I heard Lou, and then we'll go to Adam. Hang on, Adam. Uh, no, I just want to say I went in there one time telling him that you know I disagree with this this stuff that he's doing, and he just didn't listen to me. He kind of like just waved me off and said, "I'm a so like sympathizer." Sam so like sam's fully on like a, a calvinist are demons and yes downs? he does this every single day every single week he has a new audio thread room complaining <laughs> about calvinists calling us gnostics calling us unsaved demons devils our god is uh, we worship the god of reformed theology not the god of the bible etc cetera, etc cetera. when he can't bring up any evidence or claims for anything he's saying it's all unfounded and 90 percent of it is just sowing discord as you see right now so I i'm heard. tired of his little butt buddies in his cult not calling out any of the stuff that they're doing. Adam, what's up? But, Bubby, have you listened to what Lou said? There has been multiple people that have told Sam and Terry the same thing. They will not listen to us. What are we supposed to do? Stop what associating with them, like the Bible says. Like we've corrected Sam once in private. He didn't listen. We corrected Sam again in private. He didn't listen. We did it in front of the brethren. He didn't listen. What does the Bible say after the third time that they don't listen? Don't associate with them. Don't eat with them. Don't speak with them. And y'all continue to do it. Well, to be fair, we still associate with plenty of hardened atheists. So, I mean, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that. Or maybe, you know, for consistency's sake. I mean, I don't know if Clubhouse counts as the local body of Christ in your church. Um, just a thought. Uh, Mac, you had your hand raised. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think, uh, first and foremost, let me first acknowledge that I think you're right. Causing division and sowing discord is highly problematic. Um, to say who will or will not be saved is sitting in the judgment seat of Christ, and there's only one who can sit in the judgment seat and only one judge. That's what the Bible teaches. And this is why the Bible teaches it. So we don't take it upon ourselves to pronounce judgment on other people. We can speak against doctrine from a biblical perspective if we think it does not align with the Bible, but it is not our place to judge someone's salvation, um, and this happens far too much. But what I would say is this, um, you know, uh, Bubby was talking about first order and second order issues. I, I've not seen that written anywhere in scripture. This is, you know, something fabricated to justify, um, you know, being complicit when it happens against someone like a oneness or another person who you disagree with certain things, but then coming back and say, oh, well, why are they doing it against us? This is, this is the same thing. And you're and looking for different ways to justify it, calling one thing first order or second order. is no justification at all, actually, because the fact of the matter is this has been going on for years. Uh, uh, Pastor Sam and Sister Cherry did not just start doing this uh, when they started going after Calvinists. They have been doing the same. This is their doctrine. Their doctrine is we need someone to hate in order to preach against them. Their doctrine is let's start a room about somebody. This is what they've always done. This isn't new. And so I don't get why you're acting so surprised. Um, I've been calling this out from the moment I saw it. 
Um, whether or not it was against me or someone else, it's been a problem because it's sowing not just discord, hate. And that's a problem. The, 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 if anything, we believe it's the doctrine of Christ is love. But the way they speak against people has always been that way. It's just now it's directed in your direction, so you don't like it. But you weren't saying anything when it was directed in someone else's direction. And now you're calling out the people who are still sitting by silent when you were the same people who were silent before. And I think that's important uh, to know. Mac, I get, I get what you say about first and second order, but where would you draw a line? Because the line has to be somewhere. Um, if someone's like, hey, Mac, I'm a Christian Satanist. Satan's great. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> you, you'd be like, well, okay, okay. And they'd be like, no, no, you're just hating. You're just hating. So, I mean, it, it, there's got to be a line somewhere. Um, so, is it is it Unitarians? Is it Oneness? Is it non-Trinitarians? Like, so, I mean, that line's got to be somewhere, but it's like, well, look, let's be as have as much grace as we can. So what does the Bible actually say you must believe? And that's the thing, like Calvinism, Arminianism, like goodness, like 12 years ago, man, me and Lou, we, we were in these rooms, like, you know, like crazy, um, you know, going after like the, the Calvinism, Arminian debate. Um, and it got absolutely nowhere. And I'm like, why does this matter? Like it's, it's technicalities. The whole war is based on technicalities, how someone thinks you arrive at salvation. It's like, if both people, already called you know jesus lord and savior and they're you know disciples of christ following jesus and you know what anyone would say is a christian then they have to like go retroactively fight about how they got there and it just seems so silly and divisive to me because it's like look if you think you were dragged against your will if you think you freely chose god the time to have that fight was during that process now you've both gone through whatever road to arrive at the finish line congratulations you're both saved mm -hmm. you would both call each other saved so in order to have this Calvinism Arminian fight, you have to go pre-salvation and fight about how you got there. So, and it just seems so, pointless. So Nate, let me try and answer your question, because I think it's a fair question, actually. And this, these are the type of things I think should be talked about more. Um, and I, I've, I've talked on these things. I've held rooms about this very thing and, and trying to answer your question. This was over a year ago. Can you hear me? Yeah. I was saying this is over a year ago where I held a room talking about this, and, and I've referenced a number of scriptures about keeping a unity of peace, but uh, more specifically, when it comes to apologetics, when it comes to discussing, I think 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 speaks to it directly. It says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not, resent, not resentful. Then it talks about opponents. Opponents must be gently instructed in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth. And they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do as well. These are people who are taken captive by the devil that Paul is commanding to still be gentle to and to, as, a, as opponents to instruct them gently. So the only way it's like if you want to beat a person down with the, with the Bible, with the truth, they won't ever come to the truth. And the way to do it is to have respect with them. That doesn't mean that you have to accept them as brethren. I'm not saying that now. I don't, I don't, I don't pronounce on anyone who they want to accept as brethren. Okay, I believe the scriptures teach that anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God should be accepted. I uh, myself believe that Jesus is God, but the Bible teaches that anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God can have the Father in them and the Son in them. And so, while I, I believe Jesus is God, I do believe it's not always as easy of a teaching because people then feel like, oh, well, I feel like I'm worshiping two gods, so I can't do it. People feel that way. So well, I disagree with that. But while people feel that way, I don't put that on them to say, I worship the Father through Jesus Christ, but not Jesus Christ as God. I, so, while I disagree, I don't I don't hold that against them because I can understand the issue the that's at hand, though. Yet again, <clears throat> the issue that's at hand is that a first order issue, such as a fundamental of the faith, 
being the nature of God, whether it is oneness or Trinitarianism, that has salvific implications because that does. Well, Bobby, that's what God. you're saying. The Bible doesn't teach that, though. The, and, the, and the, fact the, the historical the church says that. that. The historical church but, says but, that. But hold on, hold on. Me. But the fact, and this goes to Adam's point. This goes to Adam's point. Adam was here. I don't know if you caught this, Bubby. Adam was saying, why is it that when we have discussions and debates that people come with scripture and you guys come with history, but you cannot defend against them with the scripture? And the fact is, because you can't defend it with the scripture. That's why you don't. If you had the scripture to defend it, you would. I mean, all of you guys are educated and capable. Um, we're all educated here and capable of reading the scripture. And if it proved your point definitively, you would just read it and we would all so is it. So we're just going to be anti-intellectual and ignoring no, church no, history? I'm, I'm not, hold on, no, no, no. Oh, it's just scripture alone. Stop, stop, stop. Bobby, calm yourself. You're the only one that's like, you're the only one that sounds like they've done. Yes, because I'm the only morning. one on stage that's Bobby. had to deal with this consistent attack and BS. Oh, Bobby, Bobby just one second, you, bro, because you're not wait, the only stop, one. Stop, 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 stop. I'm a bad. Bobby, you will follow some order. Good Lord. Take a step back. Get some decaf. I was going to say, let me take a crack at this. Right, so you're yeah, somewhere between, the, Matt, you're somewhere between theology and personalities. And people's personalities can suck. But I try not to be too judgy because I think, wow, why can't they all be a little more chill? Um, you know, maybe their personality and how they want to fight and yell and scream is the biggest problem in their life. So while it annoys the heck out of me, maybe that's their biggest problem. While, you know, I seem a little maybe, maybe a little less yelly and screaming sometimes, but, you know, maybe I've got bigger issues. Maybe I like to, you know, kick my dog around or something. So, you know, I've, I've got my own problems. So I try not to be too judgy. But for that example, right, I think it should be handled. Like, you know, because if you if you want to split hairs, the Bible, you know, you could read that and come away with what you say people understand. Like, well, you know, I have a trouble believing Jesus is God. But, you know, when when he asked Peter and Peter says, you're the Messiah and he says that's been revealed by the Holy Spirit, then I only have to believe that Jesus is the anointed one and the son of God. Um, so, you know, while I guess you say you and while I will disagree and say Jesus is God, Jesus is the son of God and is God, I would tell that person. It's kind of like the Bible scripture where it says you know, the disciples say, should we stop that person? And they say, well, if they're not against us, you know, they're with us, right? Like if, if they're still claiming the name of Christ, and they're not like causing any problem, even though they don't believe just like us, they're not of us, you know, they're not against us. So I would kind of take that grain of salt and be like, okay, look, dude, I know you think Jesus is the son of God, but is not God. But to understand what the son of God meant then is not just like a son, like you or I would have a child and call them son. It's much deeper than that. And if, if you understand like the way like they understood or when Peter says you're the Messiah, if you understood the way Peter really means that, he's going to get the divinity of Jesus. Not just like you'll be like, oh, Messiah means anointed. So Jesus was just anointed. Um, I mean, a Muslim could get that understanding. So I would try my to do my best to explain that son of God is infinitely more more meaningful than just an actual son of God. Um, but then if they're like, well, I hear you, I reject that then I just be like, okay, well, fine. Um, you know, that's what I think. There's no reason to yell and scream and go freaking nutso on them. Um, but I've and done they, my part. They know I disagree. They know what <clears throat> I believe. And uh, I'll just, you know, kind of keep them at arm's length. They'll be like, well, you know, hopefully God will open your eyes. But And they, I can agree with you on, on that aspect. Can you hear me? I don't know if you went out. Yes. Were yes. you done? All right. Yes. So I can, I can fully agree with you on that aspect. And, you know, um, I think... This is why, you know, what, what I read says what it says. There's a way to gently instruct and then to let God do the rest of the work without you feeling like you got to pronounce or fix them today or, you know, um, or, or make the change yourself. This is, you know, God has to plant that seed and we just provide the increase or the help 
when they seek and desire it. Now, when it comes to, you know, what we've seen on, on this app, there have been some divisive people in this app who have been divisive the entire their entire times on this app. And so while, while Bubby, and I understand, like, trust me, Bubby, when you say, but I'm the one dealing with this, this, and this. I don't know if you fully understand the, the, the treatment I've been through with the same groups of people. Um, not even, you know, when I came to Zap, I wasn't even about a oneness or, or a trinity. Um, I grew up in a Trinitarian church, but we didn't preach on the trinity pretty much ever. So while I've studied and I have my thoughts on it, I never categorized it as, you know, strongly or, uh, uh, you know, pushed to the margins as much as this app does. And so I've since been more, you know, uh, diligent in the conversation. But the, the treatment that, that I've had just by even wanting to talk through the differences of ideas has been ridiculous. You know, pronouncing someone's salvation just because they, I disagree on a biblical point, you know, with, before even choosing a side. And so these divisive people have been there and have been mistreated. I've been kicked out of many of rooms. Not, I'm not saying it to like, like, oh, woe is me, because we've all experienced it in some ways. But I'm saying it to say it's not just started the past few weeks when they started against Calvinists. This, oh, isn't, I, I this mean, isn't the beginning of it. It's, so let's not oh, act I mean, like that I, is. I am, yeah, I mean, I'm painfully aware that, you know, I mean, I mean this, is, this is nothing new, right? And it's probably never going to change. I mean, if anyone wants to know why Christians, you know, why people need God, look at the Christians. Um, you know, we're some of the most imperfect people, but, you know, we realize we need help. Um, that's the difference, realizing you need help versus thinking you're fine on your own. Um, and, I mean, there's nothing else to say on that. I mean, it's, it's just personalities. Like, you know, people have to be open to you know, letting God change their hearts and stuff like that. I mean, you know, um, I've certainly got my issues in other areas. Um, everyone's got their own own issues, but, you know, when it's in voice and it's on chat and places like this, you know, it comes out and it becomes very difficult to sweep under the rug. Um, it, it's going to be in full display and like audio and live on YouTube forever. So, I mean, there, I guess there's nothing else to say except, you know, people people suck and they need to be more Christ-like, just like the Bible yeah. says. Welcome, Chris. This uh, entire room this morning has been about you. What's up? <laughs> Sweet. What did I do now? <laughs> I, I don't know. Just everything. Just all of it. <laughs> I'll take the blame for everything. All right. Even my stuff, too? Yeah, totally. Here's I blame you, Chris, for stealing my warmth. It's it's like 28 degrees here where I'm at, and I work in a refrigerated and, and freezer trailer in 38 degrees, so it's like negative 6 degrees where I'm working right now. Hang on. I, Bobby, I... If you can come back up, I want to come. I want to bring you back up, bro. Keep it together, though. Like you said, you all are insane. Like I'm wondering what that means because, like, you're acting like you know we're um from your chat. It sounded like you were saying like we're all playing like nice and easy and patty cake with like people that don't believe the Trinity and stuff like that. Uh, what do you mean, like theologically or doctrinally? Because you know I believe they're wrong all day long. But as far as like personality goes, like for example, like if Max like I don't believe the Trinity, and I'm like, well, I do, and I think that's a big issue, and you know I think. You know, if you harden your stance, then, you know, you are not truly a believer in Christ. Um, that's not playing patty cake. That's expressing 100% opposition to that viewpoint. The only thing I didn't do was passionately yell and scream at him like a crazy person. So is that what you're saying? Because, mm -hmm. like, doctrinally, I'm not like, hey, you guys are all okay. Unitarians are wonderful. That's fine. You're you're totally saved. Jesus is happy with you. Um, I'm not taking that stance at all. I completely believe that's wrong. The only difference with me, if that's what you're talking about, is – it's not my MO to like, you know, be a yelling, screaming person. Um, so I tried to bring you back up. Hey, can I ask you this question real quick, Nate? Because Let me know if you it's, it's interesting yeah. because uh, I tell people that I don't believe in the Trinity the way that they teach it. I do believe in the Trinity. I want to make it clear. I believe the Father and the Word and the Holy Spirit are one. If those three are one, that's 
Trinity, in and of itself, oh, by definition. Matt, can I can I can I can I uh, pause you just a second? Like I, yeah. I'm just trying to finish this up in chat. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Bobby. Well, I guess if you're not coming back, I'm just answering chat. Like I'm never gonna get through to you. It's not even worth discussing with you at this point because you can't even see the difference between Mac and I. What are you saying? I, I just ask you. Is it like doctrinally, or is it like if I was yelling and screaming the exact same thing I said, would you be like, "Great, you're one of us"? Like, is it the is it the personal personality approach? Because I just said it's totally wrong, and I totally disagree with that stance. And theologically, it's bad. It's wrong. Um, and here you are saying you're uh, you're never going to get through to me. If that's what you're talking about, you don't need to get through to me. We already agree. The only difference is I'm not going to yell and scream at someone. I'll casually and calmly tell them, you know, they may burn in hell forever. Um, and Miguel, uh, you do realize oneness sends to hell. Yeah, I think if you deny the Trinity and like harden your stance against it, you don't need to believe in the Trinity to be saved. But once you hear about the Trinity and you don't follow along, I believe the Holy Spirit, you know, leads people into all truth. And if you don't allow yourself to be led into what I believe is all truth, then uh, yeah, that's a problem. If you outright deny the Trinity, like fight against it, then based on my Christian worldview beliefs, I believe that is a hardened stance and antithetical to being a Christian by denying God. So again, maybe this is where I should say I'm not going to get through to you <laughs> because are people telling me I'm a modalist? All right, Chris, I don't think even you can you can take the blame for me. So I've been like That's professing good. the Trinity for, I don't know, my entire life, but because I don't want to yell and scream at someone who's oneness, while I'm like, hey, bro, you're wrong all day long. You're wrong. Get right with God. Um, because I say it that way and not like, you're going to split hell wide open like a bundle of firewood for Satan. Um, I'm also a modalist. All right. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Right. So, uh, yeah. so just in, okay. in honor of Dippity, um, I changed my PTR so everybody should refresh. Um, good times. <laughs> I, I, ah. So, Dippity. So, <laughs> can, can I clarify? And so, and, and this is. This is something that I, I think, you know, one of the problems is there's not enough quality dialogue around it. Because even from the scripture I said that, you know, what I read um, in 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, these are people who are under the trap of the devil that, we're, that we should still be able to have, you know, a quality conversation with. I mean, that, that's, this is why even a verse itself in the, in the Timothy passage goes to such an extreme to let us know, even if it is to that extreme. Beyond your assumptions, even you should still be able to not be quarrelsome and have a conversation and not be disrespectful. But the problem is when we already assume things, we don't even have the conversation, because my point is, while I disagree with the Trinity, as you guys teach it, I agree that the Father, Word and the Holy Spirit are God. The Father, Son and Holy Spirit are God. I do believe that. I just do not define it with the same terms as you. And now some people want to qualify it because you don't use the same terms as us. You're condemned. You're not a real Christian. And so the, the, the issue is, well, you can't find any of your terms in the scripture. So what you're actually using as a barometer are things that do not come from scripture. Because it's everything that is in scripture, I do agree. And that's well, the problem. Well, well, hang on. We're going to go right to you. Was that Chris? Uh, we'll, we'll go right to you. But before we start this, uh, let me see. I don't know what Mac's going to say. Maybe he's going to yell and scream at me, but I, I believe he won't. So, all right, Mac, uh, knowing we disagree... Um, you tell me I'm wrong because I mean, if you believe your way, tell me you're wrong in the most fervent tones. And I'll be like, Mac, everything you just said, I disagree with. And I think you are in jeopardy of hellfire and need to get right with God. 
But I, I still respect you as a person. Say. I think that's I still respect you as a person, do. and we can have a conversation. But I will pray for you. Now tell me you think I'm wrong. Right. I, I, so, Nate, I do believe that Calvinism is wrong. I'm not a Calvinist. Are you not a Calvinist? Not a Calvinist. Oh, all right. Listen. <laughs> hey, hey, Nate. Oh, I know. I know. I quit. So I quit. That is the meanest thing you can say to me. Hey, hey, Nate. I'm sorry. Let me let me first apologize, Nate. I know you get so tired of that association if you're not a Calvinist. But all right. So let me oh, say it like this. Let, let me let me say it like this. I'll back off of that. Oh, so, Nate. <laughs> anyway, so, look, 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 look. I'll catch you guys later. Um, Nate, maybe tell oh. Dippity all about my PTR. Because I think I sent you that Babylon B story about Rudolph transitioning. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> so that he could dominate the female reindeer games. <laughs> okay, well, this experiment failed. <laughs> yeah, my, my bad, my bad, Nate. <laughs> so look, let me let me try again. Let me take two, okay? So Nate, um, I believe that uh, the Trinity that you that is taught on Clubhouse today that you and others subscribe to, social Trinity, is different from a monarchical Trinity. Um, is different from what the Bible teaches as a Trinity, and so therefore I disagree with you on that. And um, just like my PTR shows, I believe, like everyone else up here says, you all are wrong. But that doesn't mean that I don't like you. I don't that I can't respect you, and I can't have you know an intelligent conversation where we can just re you know reason with the thoughts and in the scriptures and the references that we would have. And so I will welcome the discussion while I still disagree with you at this point, based off of the evidence that's been presented. Yeah, and while uh, while you know it's not fun for someone to tell you you're wrong, um, you know if we're confident enough in whatever we believe, well, it's ultimately between us and God. Like no one's going to judge us eternally, but God. So, you know, we better work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, just like the Bible says. And, uh, you know, even though it's not fun to tell everyone they're wrong, um, you know, no blood was spilled. So. Yeah, um, I if I can get in, I've been trying to get in for a second here. Um, yeah. So um, I, I, I don't agree with Bubby's style often, but I do have great empathy for him this morning because, Professor Mack, when you said that, uh, well, you know, Sam does that all the time with other issues or whatever. That probably made Bubby feel a little bit marginalized, like you're marginalizing what he was saying and, and how he's feeling, because it's not really relevant if Sam does that. Bubby was really focused on what Sam was doing that impacts his personal faith. So I would encourage you to perhaps not do things that may feel like you're someone is being marginalized in what they're saying. Well, no, I, I hear you, but it, I mean, that would be to assume that when it happens to other people, that it doesn't, does not impact to their faith. Um, what I would simply say is, you know, I'm not saying that Bubby's beliefs and mine are the same, um, but the, the scripture teaches that any disagreement, even if in the snares of the devil, you should be able to treat the same. So when you see, even if someone says, hey, I'm a Satan worshiper, which we are all against. We're, let me use that as an example. That's, I would say that's not the same as me. I'm not a Satan worshiper, my well, God. Well, let, let's use a real example, though. There are many No, Christians James, he was here a minute ago. He's a Satan worshiper. Well, yeah, no, well, no, yeah, let, let me, let me finish. And, 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 and he's a Christian? And he's a Christian, Nate? Oh, no, no, I was just No, okay. So I want to give oh, a real okay. example. There are Christians who are Luciferians. So there are people like that. So why don't we? Why don't you kind of take all it right, from so, that so angle? All right. So let's let's take a let's take a Luciferian Christian, which we would all disagree with here, right? And we see that they came on a stage and they were severely disrespected and mistreated. 
while we disagree with their faith and none of us agree with them, we should all be able to reference 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26 and say, hey, although we disagree with this person, this is not how we're supposed to treat our opponents. Because this is what the Bible commands for us to have for how we should treat our opponents. And the problem has been, we've said, now that's a, a Luciferian. And we have said, oh, because you're oneness, because you're modeless, because you're a Hebrew Israelite, because you're this, I'm going to use that as justification to disrespect you. And, and no one stood up then. No one said, well, now, let, me say, not, let me not say no one. But generally speaking, Trinitarians would not have stood up then when Pastor Sam and Sister Cherry were doing it against other other people. But now when it's happening against Calvin, it's someone that you have more affinity to or towards. It's like, oh, it's so wrong. But they were violating this scripture the entire time. And that's my whole point. I mean, I'm just going to take myself out of this. Like, I spend, like, way too much of my breath asking people to chill the heck out. <laughs> but I also usually do it without yelling and screaming. So maybe, maybe I should yell and scream more. I don't know. Um, But but I, I yeah totally totally agree like you know, and it's it's just personalities right like that's that's harder to fix than doctrine I think is people just personality traits like if you're if you're someone who's you know prone to outbursts of rage which by the way the Bible says don't be um you know or fits of anger or stuff like that then you know if uh, you're like a hammer personality everyone you see is a nail so you just have to like beat them into submission which ironically is the opposite of what's going to happen it's going to like harden their stance and harden their resistance. And, you know, if God's going to call them anyway, God's going to call them anyway. But why, like, go out of your way to put up barricades that God has to then, like, knock down and drag them through? Um, I don't know. That's just, just, well, that's just me. And, and me. I mean, you know, there, there's, a, there's a line from a song, and then I want to say hi to Steph real fast. But there's a line from a song. It's, like, uh, stuck with me. It's, like, it's not what you say. It's just in the way. Right? So it's, like, you can tell people, yell and scream at them. They're going to go to hell. They're wrong. God's going to judge them and punish them and have them thinking, what a jerk. I hate Christians. Or you can say the exact same thing, just in a different tone and a little bit nicer. And they're like, wow, that guy really disagrees with everything I'm doing. But I mean, you know, I, I respect him. He seems like a nice guy. He just really thinks I'm wrong. Like, it's not what you say. It's just in the way. What's up, Steph? The heck did I just walk into? Hell on earth. Happy Friday. And I, I, I didn't start this time, Christian. Steph. We're, we're I just want to let Steph know I didn't start it this time. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, we were talking, well, Adam, like an hour ago, 30 minutes ago, uh, had a question about like Christian uh, divisiveness and, you know, why Christians can't just like uh, focus on their agreements. Why do they have to, uh, you know, fight and, and all this other stuff? And I, I was telling him, I think it's half, you know, mostly Clubhouse's fault <laughs> because um, you know, they've made it impossible to find like non-Christians just like roaming around. So all, all the Christians with a certain personality type, like, you know, my way or the highway or you're wrong, read a book, things like that. Um, they they want to spar against someone. So they're, they're naturally going to gravitate towards the people who are farthest away from them. Well, if the people who are farthest away from them are just Christians, because that's all we can get, um, they're going to find the Christian who's most different from them and, you know, wage war against it. So, yeah, it sucks. Like, you know, the Bible says, you know, a lot of these arguments are quarrelsome and, you know, they, they are a cancer and ruin all who hear. So when we get into like secondary issues, like quibbling over stuff and even primary issues, you know, it, there's you should not be yelling and screaming and going like a crazy person. That's the territory you should be fighting on is primary first order, as Bubby would call them, issues. Uh, but also, you know, 
gently and respectfully. Otherwise, what are you doing? Um, like, you know, Christ was like forgiving people while they were murdering him. The least we can do is, you know, tone it down a little bit if someone disagrees with us. That's my humble thoughts for the day. That's what you walked into, Steph. <laughs> so, so one thing, one more thing I'll add, and then I'll, I'll be, I'll try and be done. Let others chime in. The, the idea of, and, and I saw in the chat, and it's a fair point. So let me let me address that because it's not just about that, and they're right. It's not just about personalities or personality deficiencies of how people treat or talk to people in a violation of Second Timothy. To 24. Like, that is one violation that does go unaddressed, though. That's why I'm bringing it up. That's been gone unaddressed for the past two years since I've interacted with Cherry and Sam. Um, and others in their in their group, people have been on stage with them, allowing it and supporting it whenever I called it out. But uh, it's not just that. The other thing is the pronunciation of damnation or saying who's not saved. And this is, and, I'm, and I've read this already in James 4 and 12, it says, there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, the Bible gives us license to judge things. The Bible says we're supposed to discern and judge all things uh, with righteous judgment. But judging circumstances is different than judging people. And the scripture says, but who are you to judge your neighbor? It doesn't say you're a Christian brother. It says, who are you to judge your neighbor? We're not supposed to pronounce judgment on others. Uh, Romans uh, uh, 10 and 6 says, a righteousness that is by faith does not say who will ascend to the high or descend into the deep. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 6, he says, um, uh, 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 he says, I don't even judge myself. So if Paul is saying, I'm not even able to judge myself to say that for sure what I'm going to have, you know what I'm saying? Who are we to then judge others? And I think that's the problem. Whether it's against what you consider another Christian brother or against someone who you don't consider a Christian brother, to pronounce judgment on someone to say you're not saved, it's sitting in a judgment seat. It's sitting in a director's chair that has a different name written on the back of it. Well, There's I can, only one I can, person who should be able to do that. I can go a little ways with you down that road, but not fully, because the Bible says things like, you know, oh, oh I'm going to mess this up. What is it? It's like, no one can say, like, um, Jesus is Lord, except, you know, basically they're, yeah, basically they're a Christian, right? So, like, no one can say Jesus is Lord. I mean, you know, atheists can go on YouTube and Jesus is Lord. But, like, you know, sincerely meaningful, believe it. So, like, you know, so that implies that if someone's like, no, Jesus is not Lord. I'm an atheist. Your God fairy tale is made up. It's like, okay, well, yeah, we could clearly, quote, judge that person and be like, yeah, bro, you're not saved. And they'd be like, yeah, it's all made up anyway. Like, they agree, you agree, the Bibles agree. So, I mean, there are certain times you can judge a tree by its fruit and be like, uh, yeah, you're, you're not saved. You don't want to be saved. You don't believe saved is a thing. You don't believe God can save you. You don't believe there is a God. So, you're not saved. So, if someone doesn't want it, doesn't believe it, well, we're like, yeah, I mean, I think you would say, Professor, like, yeah, I'll pronounce, quote, judgment and say that person's not saved. Um, so I, I think there's that. I think but, but then but, but the last last thing is, you know, the Bible talks about don't judge the world. Like, you know, I, I didn't mean uh, don't eat, don't associate with those people. You'd have to leave the planet to get away from them. But I'm talking about judging the body of the Christ, the body of Christ. So, you know, I think there is some judgment, maybe not hellfire judgment. But like, hey, bro, that's wrong. You call yourself a Christian. You should be doing this. You shouldn't be doing these things. Come out from like that life. You were the, this type of person. Don't be that type of person anymore. But yeah, then to say like you're not saved, I can I can walk a little further down that part with you because we don't we don't know they're in state. I mean, if it's some blasphemous comment that they're like, no, there is no God. You know, I hate your God and also don't believe him. It's like okay, I'm comfortable saying you're not saved. You don't want to be saved at all. But if someone says no, I believe in Jesus. I believe him for my eternal life, and you know they just mess up some primary things that we feel is primary. Um, we don't know what's going on. We don't know, you know, how far God's grace extends. 
So even though sometimes it'd be like, I hate your Trinity, but I love Jesus. It's like, okay, that's like hellfire and brimstone all over it, but I'm not God. I don't know. Like if someone asks me, yeah, you're not saved. You have big issues, but I'm not God. Maybe there's something God knows that I don't that's about to happen in their life for some greater reason to glorify him. I don't know. Uh, Steph, what's up? Uh, was that Steph that was trying to talk? No, no, it was, oh. it was me. I was oh. just going to say, I, I, but I think that the explanation that Ian provided is not really you judging people. I think that's you and someone uh, agreeing on quote unquote, the state of affairs. I'll be honest with you. I, I think the bigger point that um, professor was, was trying to say was the Christians on this app have been far uglier to me have been far more condemning of damnation of my precious little soul than any atheist ever has been. Who's been condemning you? Tons of them. My nickname in some circles is Crispy Dispity. Are you (laughs) kidding me right now? What crazy stuff do you believe? Because I'm a dispensationalist. So, you know, and because I'm not Calvinist or because I'm not Arminianist, I mean, I've had far more Christians tell me, you're a heretic. And the simple proclamation of calling someone a heretic is making the insinuation that they are not saved and are not of God. That's what that means when you say to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you're a heretic. You're telling them you're not saved. You're condemned. You, you know, and... Yeah, I would say that the Christians, my my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ on this app, have been far nastier and uglier to me about condemning me to hell than any atheist ever has. And I guess, serendipity, I, I, I guess I would say uh, maybe I toe the line with enough hedging that, that most people are cool with me. <laughs> but, um, uh, I mean, just because I try to follow the Bible, but... Um, <clears throat> The other side shouldn't go unlooked too, right? It's how someone responds, which, you know, it shouldn't be their problem because, you know, it's put upon them by a bunch of people, you know, rightly or, you know, like criticizing them, saying they're heretics, all this other stuff. Uh, but since it's unduly put upon them, they still have to do uh, to deal with how they respond. So, you know, it's not often I'm called a heretic, but I mean, there was this one Catholic guy that said, because I, I reject Catholicism, uh, wasn't baptized in their church, that I'm going to hell or purgatory or whatever he said. I think he said hell. He, he just skipped purgatory. He did really not like me. Um, but I'm like, okay, well, how do I respond? Uh, so I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't sound fun. I don't like hearing you telling me I go to hell, but, um, you know, I'm confident enough in what I believe and Jesus is my Lord that I'm, I'm fine. I'm not going to lose sleep over you pronouncing that I'm going to hell. And if you somehow end up making it to heaven on your own, I guess you'll just have to deal with me being there too. Um, so, I mean, a lot of it goes to, you know, how do we respond? And I, and I obviously uh, don't know how a lot of the people who are, are being called heretics respond. I mean, I would probably be a lot more riled up if, you know, being called a heretic meant you're actually getting burned at the stake. I, I'd probably have a very different response. But at least in 2023 in America so far, um, no one is, you know, no one's called me a heretic and then tried to burn me. Um, so right. until they do, I'm just going to be like, okay, well, I'm I'm good with my beliefs, so I'm going to go to heaven. And if you make it there, then you have to deal with me. <laughs> right. Which the thing of it is, like, from a matter of response, like, I don't care. I laugh when they call me crispy dispity. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I'm confident and I'm I'm confident enough in, in my belief and in my relationship with God and in my study of the scripture that I, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. But what I'm saying is that when 
you have either new believers or you have people who are exploring and they're watching these exchanges go back and forth between two people who are supposedly both Christians. That's where I, that's where I find it to be particularly damaging. That's where I find it to be particularly harmful. And I think people just need to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, you could potentially inadvertently in feeling this need to tear each other down, be acting as a stumbling block for a new believer or for somebody who's trying to find their way to the faith. And it's just a really bad look. Christians are horrible to each other on this app. Well, I, I think, um, I, I oh, yes, one second. Um, I, I think uh, there was a song, it was actually a line from like a DC talk song before they started singing, but they were saying like one of the, I mean, every atheist is going to deny this, but I mean, I, and I, I wouldn't agree completely um, as pure atheism is defined, but I think there's still some wisdom in this. Like you can get it right. Um, it's one of those things that like may not be exactly true, but you're like, oh yeah. Okay. Good point. Got it. Um, and it's like, you know, one of the greatest causes of atheism today is Christians. So, I mean, you know, while maybe not completely true, you get the point, right? It's like sucky Christians uh, who, represent, who represent Jesus poorly. Um, you can see how, how that would not be a great look. Uh, Lou, is that you trying to talk? Who, who just tried to jump in? Was that Lou? I thought I heard Lou. Oh, that, that was me earlier. Oh, go ahead. Uh, what I was going to say is I, I just have a question because um, I, I think one of the issues is saying who's – who who is or who isn't a Christian or a brother? Uh, to call someone your brother, I feel like that's a personal thing, so I wouldn't get a, get on that, you know. But to say who's a Christian is is saying is doing what Christ like the one who adds to the family is is the parent, not not the brethren. And I think many times we try and be the parent to say who is or isn't a part of the family, but it's not your family to add people to, and that, and that seems to be you know very high minded. Um, and that reminds me of, you know, just, you know, Luke 18, where it's the two people went to the temple. One is judging the other and the other one has complete humility. I'm going to tell you, you might have the wrong theology on the Godhead. I believe Christ would prefer someone who doesn't have the right theology on the Godhead that he can reveal more to later. Above the one who is too brash, is too high minded to even accept anything outside of their realm of thought. And so um, because how can Christ work with someone who thinks they know everything already? And so while some, and I believe people are incorrect on the Godhead, I've been incorrect on things. Um, so I'm not saying that there aren't, there isn't a such thing as correct or incorrect on some of these um, issues or, or discussions. But I believe as Luke 18 teaches with the two men going up to the temple that God wants first the one who's humble. Um, and then my, my question is, as I read in James 4.12, there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? When someone says to another person, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. Do you guys believe that they're in violation of James four and twelve? Well, we're also told to judge rightly. So and again, that's that's where maybe I hedge too much. Maybe everyone should hedge. I don't know because there's a part where depending on what line that is, I mean, we've got to be honest to our conscience, right? Because otherwise, we'd be violating Romans fourteen and violating our own conscience, which we would be in sin of. So, taking everything into totality, mm -hmm. what you said, what Romans fourteen says. So, uh, Mac, Mac, let, let's just. I don't know. Let, let's take, um, I don't know, one of the Christian Luciferians. I, I don't even really understand that. But let's, yeah, let's just, go with that because we can all know we disagree with that. So that's a perfect example. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't even really understand the ins and outs of that. But let's just say I'm going to disagree with a Christian Luciferian. So be like, okay, well, look, uh, I know Max says, you know, the scripture says, you know, we shouldn't be judging who's in and who's out of the kingdom of heaven. Um, 
However, the scripture also says, you know, judge rightly, the brethren, um, you know, judge rightly. And also Romans 14 says, if I violate my own conscience, uh, then I'm in sin. I've committed sin. So uh, taking all that in totality, yes, you say you're a Christian, Luciferian. Um, so not trying to judge you, but I am a little bit because you're a Christian. And then for my own conscience, led by the Holy Spirit, um, yeah, I think you are not saved. Um, and to say that I'm not going to judge or whatever, I'd be violating my conscience, and I'm committing sin. So it's like, well, I don't want to lie to you because that's a sin, and I don't want to deny my own conscience because that's a sin, and I don't want to you know, violate these other scriptures brought up. So that's what I would say. If something subjectively to my opinion, uh, you know, based, based off the Bible, as, as well as I understand that and doctrine and everything, I'd say, look, if you want to know if I think you're saved or not, I do not. I think you need to repent, believe the gospel, you know, here, I can hold your hand, walk you through it to what I believe is the most accurate biblical uh, you know, stuff. You may disagree, but if I'm being honest in my conscience, then this is what I actually believe. This is what I really think the Bible is saying. No, no, Nate, you should I would, spend some time with Jesus. <laughs> I would agree to some degree in that saying what your belief towards something is is different than making a proclamation of what is the case when you don't have the determinant you know, authority to make that decision. And so, uh, and, and I think many times people will quote, you know, the, the scripture about judging righteously, I have it up, it's John 7 and 24. Um, Jesus says, stop judging, and he's speaking to uh, uh, people who are regarding a demon-possessed man. Um, and he says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge righteously. This is what he says. That's judging a circumstance, because there's a demon-possessed man right there. That demon, this is the perfect example, because that demon-possessed man was relieved of said demon. And so clearly Jesus was not talking about judging that man. Clearly here, Jesus was talking about judging the circumstance and seeing beyond just the physical. So being told to judge righteously does not mean, oh, that, because we can use a loose term. I, for some reason, I feel like people would like to jump towards the ambiguous text that they can use any way they want, as opposed to regarding the exact and specific text that gives you the clear parameters. Saying judge righteously is not telling you exactly what to judge righteously, like we can judge all things. In this instance, they were judging a circumstance, not a person. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'd like to hear what Connie and then Hey Todd uh, has to say, right, but right, I, right. I want to go to Tony, Connie real fast. But first, uh, yeah, I mean, Mac, you know, as we've demonstrated, you know, there are, there are certain circumstances where even you would say, yeah, bro, you're not saved, right? Like if someone totally says no, I don't want to be saved. I don't believe saved is a thing. You know, I don't believe Jesus is, is Lord, Son of God, none of it. Well, then even Mac, you would be like, uh, yeah, bro, well, you're, you're just not saved. I would tell you what I, I would tell you. Well, first off, I would try to refrain from pronouncing on someone, but I would tell you what I would believe. If you ask me, do I believe that person is saved? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. That's okay, so you're saying a lot of this could be But I'm not going to make him. a proclamation on someone else's salvation. And that okay, does, so and I believe that that violates James four twelve. You get, you get so you're saying that? a lot of this could be tempered by saying believe instead of objectively. I mean, I, I would probably disagree, but it sounds like that's what you're saying. If people would just uh, okay, look, well, if, if here's people my just stated it as their opinion or their belief, they wouldn't feel as authoritative in how they treat someone. Yeah, so yeah, I do I believe that. Well, Connie, you're about the most gracious person on here I know, so uh, I'm sure whatever you have to say is going to be great. Would you like to say anything about this? I would. I'm, I've been concerned about it since I got on this app in 2020 of April, <clears throat> you know, and I was crying. The first brothers I met, I was weeping. I could hardly hold my mud. And I don't think it was just me. 
I think the Holy Spirit was grieved. And you know, if you were in my living room or you or I met you in your church, you would never have talked to me the way that you do. I'm with this serendipity gal. You know, um, every word that we speak is going to be counted. When you speak for the Lord God Almighty, there ought to be a little bit of knee knocking going on. There should be a little fear of God here. We can talk all we want about situations and circumstances, but the need to bring up other people's names, unless they're sleeping with their stepmother, just doesn't need to be said. But we can have great conversations about situations and circumstances that are concerning to the body of Christ all day long, and it's beneficial. But when we have to start bringing up people's names, that's not happening. Like I said, unless they're sleeping with their stepmother, then it's our responsibility to warn the others in the body of Christ, hey, you know, stay away from this person. That's all I have to say. Uh, Todd, what's up, Todd? Care to weigh oh, in? Oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I was going to ask a question to Professor Matt, but I mean, the conversation is more far from that. And uh, I don't know if we wanted to get back into the Trinity discussion, but. Oh, Lord, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to do that here. Never mind. Thanks, or, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know, far be it for me, um, I, 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 I guess. I mean, maybe we've talked about the divisive issue enough. Maybe, maybe we should talk about the Trinity. All right. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Go ahead, Todd. I mean, it's just. It's just odd to me when, Professor, you talk about three and one, and yet I don't believe that you make an eternal distinction between the Father and the Son. Well, I can answer to say I, I do make a distinction between the Father and the Son. Eternal? They've eternally been distinct? Um, they would have had to have eternally been distinct um, because I believe the Son um, came into being and is distinct from the Father. That's not eternal. You can't come into being if you're eternal. You never. Are, is, is, is myself and a rock eternally distinct? No, because you both came into being. So, so we're not eternally distinct. We're not talking about you and a rock. We're talking about the eternal. So I'm giving. I'm giving an father. example. If something, ex if the father existed eternally, and then the son coming into existence is distinct from the father, then that's an eternal distinction. When did the sun come into existence? Well, the word always existed, but the word became the sun when the word became flesh um, and, and made his dwelling among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten son. John 1 14 tells us that the word became flesh in the way of tabernacling. Tabernacling is building up a house or a tent or a home. So the word tabernacled in the flesh. And that, that is that is how the word became the sun. And, and, and what was beheld is the glory of the only begotten son. And that's John 1, 14. So that's what I believe. And there's no scripture so the word, that keeps otherwise. So the word coming down into creation, you believe that the word was not the son before incarnation? There's nothing in the Bible that teaches that. And in fact, there are scriptures that teach against that. So yes. All right. So was the word the father or was the word distinct from the father? The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word would have to be, unless we believe in two gods, the word would have to be the same God that it was with. And God, Theos and Theon, refers to a noun person singular. 
So if theos and theon refer to a noun person singular, so we have in the beginning was the word, and the word was with the noun singular person God, and the word was the noun singular person God. That's what it tells me. And that's grammatically correct. So the uh, it says that he is towards him, is what the Greek says. Turn towards or with. In English, we use the word with, but it's more accurate to say towards. So how can you be towards yourself? That's a good question, and that can be answered. So the word pros means the directional relationship, and that's where you get the, the, the form of towards, which I agree with. I think that's correct. It must be towards. Um, Jesus teaches it. He says, I came out from out of the Father. If you come out of something, you must be inside. Um, and so in is a direction. If you go in the house, that's a directional relationship. Um, the, the demon-possessed man, it says, exathon ek, from the tombs. He came out from out of the tombs. That's a direction. When Jesus says, I came out from out of the Father, exilon ek talpatros, uh, it's John 16, 28. That means he came out from out of the Father. Jesus tells you where he came from and where he came from was out of the Father. So the so the directional relationship is within. And that, that, that qualifies fully the definition of prostantheon given in John 1, 1. Okay, my stomach is within me, but my stomach is not towards me because the only thing that can, something is towards me if it's external to me. Yeah, so no, that's that's a fair point. It, once it moved, if your stomach was in you and then it proceeded to move out of you, then it gives you a directional relationship, right there. Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus says, "I," um, I think John eight also says that uh, Jesus proceeds from the Father. So if Jesus directionally comes out from out of the Father, I mean, this is what Jesus says out of his own mouth in John sixteen twenty eight. Exothon The word "ek" means out. That's how we get exit external. It literally means out, and so it says it twice in that verse. Exothon means the subject came out, and then ektalpatros means from out of the object. So I came out from out of the object, the Father. And so that's what Jesus teaches definitively in that text. And that's not ambiguous. That's not something open to interpretation in different ways. Ek means what it means. And so if he came out, that's a directional relationship, satisfying the term. Uh, I, see the, I see the problem here. Okay, so... You have a, you are distincting that the word existed inside of the Father and it was not eternally distinct from and separate from. Um, you are saying that when it, well, you're positing that the word came out of the Father and when it came out of the Father, then it was with or towards or separate from. Well, um, in a way, yeah, well, let me let me say like this for clarity, just just if I could. So, the 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 directional relationship, being with God, being in, is always was the case in the beginning. And prosontheon in the beginning would qualify being within, and that that's what I'm saying. And uh, so then, when the word goes out from the Father, it doesn't stop being this very same God that it is. It's just extended from itself, from its own source. And that, that's so. Who that's said that? So, so who said he came out from? Jesus? Jesus himself says, I came out from out of the Father. Okay. And and then and the other saying, thing. And you're saying oh, that's the son, you're saying that's the incarnated son that came from. Um, but you are saying that the word is not the son. So now all of a sudden you're making the two the same one, but before you said they weren't. 
No, so let, let me clarify. No, I believe the word became the son. I believe that the word tabernacled and in in the tabernacling is is an eternal complete tabernacling defining the very existence of the son. That's why Jesus says as the father has life in himself, he's also granted the son to have life in himself. That life is that very same spirit which came down so the very same spirit where well, you would say essence so you agree with that. The very same essence or spirit of the father is what was given to live in the son thereby defining the son. And what I would say is this, no, um, I, even no, because wait, I, know, I know you guys, and I'm going to say this one thing you got to time. Even no. you guys who, who respect church history would have to acknowledge that Tertullian agrees with me when Tertullian says in his fifth chapter against Practices that um, before anything, there was just God and his word was internal to him in the same way that our word is internal to us. And he also says that just as in his third chapter against Hermogenes, he says, just as there was a time where there wasn't a judge, there was a time where there wasn't a father or son. It was just God. This is Tertullian, the one who coined the Trinity. And I can read okay. that for you if, if need be. No, that's all right. But we went, um, you said that I would agree with a statement that you had just made. And then you went on to church history. And I tried to stop and say, well, you just put. Oh, my bad if I went too far. My bad. It's all right. I wouldn't say. I. I would need you to repeat that, though. You said that we would say, you said you would agree that, and then you said something like the, something about the essence and the spirit. The father and son share the same spirit, i.e. essence. Yes, the divine essence. We, they do share it. I agree yes. with that. Now, the in the sharing of the divine essence, um, I actually don't agree with what you believe because I believe that they shared it, but they were also distinct in their persons. They are not the same person eternally. Um, they both have the same essence. They are the same nature. Um, the father does not give the nature of the divinity to the son. They eternally have it. That is what the essence of uh, the father is that is what the essence of the son is it is just divinity it is eternality omniscience omnipresence that is the nature of god that is the essence of god and you cannot share something you cannot give eternal anything to somebody else because they have to eternally have it meaning it never not had it um well so, i, I would I would say that I would have to say that scripture disagrees with you because Jesus teaches otherwise. He says in John 5, 46, as the father has life in himself, he has also granted for the son to have life in himself. We all know that the himself of the son is a physical body. This is why the Bible says that the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. That body, that body is not eternal, but the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in it. That very life that is the father's life is the very same life that was given to be in that self. A body is a self, by definition. And that self was given that eternal spirit to have in it. Well, and, that's yeah, a created, and that's a created body. Within the incarnation, I understand that, but this is a different context. I'm talking about the eternal sonship or the eternal word that is distinct from and eternally existing with the Father. So, but anyway, I mean, that's pretty much as far as we're probably going to get on this. That's where we're going to disagree. The eternal sonship. All right. I'll ask this one thing, Todd, because because I can show scriptures that speak against 
this eternal sonship. And you already know the scriptures I'll go to, so I don't need to do that. Um, can you go to one scripture, just one, that doesn't just teach sonship, but to teach eternal sonship? Because I agree with sonship, but you're teaching this eternal sonship that I can't find in scripture. But I can find a scripture where the Bible says, I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. So could you give me a scripture that teaches eternal sonship? Um, I like to use John 1, 1, but that uses the word word who became Jesus. And uh, right. I mean, off the top of my head, no, as we're speaking here right now, I don't that I can think of at this moment. But I, mean, I, I appreciate that. True, I, but uh, yeah. I appreciate it because, I mean, if we're going to be honest, the fact is there's not one biblical teaching that teaches eternal sonship. The only thing that that, that gives it even an, a glean of eternal sonship is Colossians 1, 15, 16. Let me back right. up. Go ahead. Let me, let me back up because I like it when, uh, when Scripture says that the Father sent the Son. Uh-huh. Um. You say that when he was not the son in the incarnation, well, he was the word before he came in the flesh, right? Yeah, I'm, I believe that the word be, the word is eternal and the word became the son. That's what I believe. All right. Well, that happened on earth in your opinion. Uh, but if the father sent the son, then I believe that the son was in heaven as the son eternally before he came down into the flesh so that's how you send the son because if that wasn't true then it'd say he sent his word but no he now this is where sent his son this is where i would ask for the scripture specifically because many times we want to speak ambiguously on it and 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 then make a logical argument off of it without the, the exact reference to the to the, the terms used. the most used widely known popular verse in all of scripture God john three sixteen. his son God so sent his son, right? Well, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Yeah, well, gave, sent. How, how do you give uh, his only son? Well, he sent him into the world from heaven. Well, he gave, I, I believe he, gave, he gave his only son as a sacrifice. Because the word the word gave there is edokin, and that's a gift or an offering. Yeah. And and, yeah. and it says they gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him can, uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. If the son never died on a cross, that would not be the case. The defining factor of the second part is the giving and sacrifice. So, this, and the father gave him in sacrifice. This is this is actually why the oneness, and, and I'll land here, but let me see if I can just get this out real quick. This is why the gospel is Trinitarian. And this is why it must be this way, because in order to make atonement for our sins, God has to send his son who he beloved eternally forever in heaven. And in love for us, he gave his son that he eternally loved for wretched, wicked sinners in order to put our sins and transgressions on him so he could put his wrath on him as well. And it just doesn't work if this is a not a person, not a person that he has eternally loved for eternal existence. He just created something to put his wrath on, just created a creation to put his wrath on, not something that was 
eternally divine and eternally loved. Like that's cheapening the gospel. That's what you're doing. That's not glorious to God. That is less glorious to God. That is cheapening the grace. And I'm so at, um, that's that's where I'll land there. But thanks anyway. So so here's the thing. I, I think many times we have these discussions. It's like if we want to discuss doctrinal points, we should derive doctrine from Scripture. As um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, and for righteousness, that uh, we, we may be thoroughly furnished for every good work. So our doctrine should come from Scripture, not opinions, not church fathers, not anything else. The Bible teaches that it should come from the Scripture. And when we have a Scripture discussion and there's no defense in a Scripture discussion, then there's a narrative coming against me as if I'm making up the scriptures that I'm reading. I've not made up any of the scriptures that I'm reading. If you don't think that what I've given from scripture solidifies a very beautiful relationship between father and son, then that's on you. Max, but I believe that it's the most beautiful relationship. Blah, blah, blah. As the Bible Max, shush, stop. Oh my God. <laughs> she said, I can't I take it. I was just in the shower, like <laughs> suffering, dude, suffering, listening to this. Oh my God. What okay, if I said so, incorrect? It's like, you guys get on me. I don't know what I, what I, it's like, well, all I'm, I'm doing is endeavoring to give the scripture as honest as I can. And don't no worry. One I got you. I got you. You believe that the son. Okay. So you believe that Christ is the only way to reconcile with the father, right? Absolutely. Okay. You believe that the son is the word and it was eternal, but it only like this, the son only became the son at the incarnation. Exactly. Yes. What was yes. the union between father and word before that? The union between Father and Word is Isaiah 55 and 10. It says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but until it's completed everything for which I sent it. So is it the word? Distinct? The word has been the functioning power of God in this entire world <clears throat> from the beginning of existence. That's a beautiful relationship between okay, the Father stop. and His word. Is it co-equal, the word and it, the Father? It, it, it's co-equal in the fact that it is the Father. No, you said the word was distinct. It goes out from the Father. So the word going out from the Father, if the Father is spirit and the word goes out, spirit is able to manifest in where he's omnipresent. It will manifest in more than one location, is, being is, the same self. Okay. Is the word that goes out from the Father distinct from the Father? The word is not distinct from the Father. Okay, so the answer is no. The word is not distinct. So God no, is not distinct from like, the father, but it is on, distinct in function of the father. No. So it's one indiscernible being. So that's why you can't say it's co-equal because the word and the father are one thing. Is that your right. belief? The, okay. the word is so the father, at, one thing. Yes. Yep. I got it. So at what point did the cell division occur in order for Christ to take on bodily form? Uh, it never did, did that because the Bible teaches that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily and you can't have the fullness of the Godhead without the Father. So the Father is that the Father dwell, the Father is tabernacling in Jesus Christ. And, so the, and he teaches the, that over and over. No, you just mentioned two beings. How how so? So who the Father is tabernacling in Jesus Christ. Do you think it's the Father in a human body? I believe the Father is tabernacle. The Bible says that to wit that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world back to Himself. You are so wrong about the Bible. I just want to know what you think. This has to be faster because I gotta go. Well, well, if you're asking me questions, I don't want to just say my opinion. I'm. I believe I'm it because Scripture says. I'm asking for your opinion. It. I don't want you preaching on my stage. I'm asking for your opinion. 
Well, well, okay. Well, I'll so just was say, the father was the father in your opinion was that when you say the father was tabernacling with Christ, are we referring to two divine entities or are we in, referring to the father inhabiting a human host? The father inhabiting and defining completely a human host. Okay, so there was there a division? Do you hold to the idea that Christ could be separately on earth? That God the Father could be separately on earth in human form and also in heaven. I believe the Father is able to be on the throne and in earth at the same time. Yes. Okay, so there is no distinction between the human Christ and God the Father. There was no cell division. There is distinction. There, there is distinction. There's distinction, and that's the mode of subsistence. The distinction is uh, one location being on a throne and one location being there and able to be regarded as distinct, you know, locations or uh, 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 manifestations. So but it's all really that positional. Being the case, it's visual. Like, I can see one here and I can see one there. Right, but, but it's the still the same there's one that. mind of God. It's still the same one mind of God being in the throne and on earth. So, yes, okay. because there's one mind, there's no distinction of person. I see you, Lou. I gotta, I'm going to keep listening, but I got to mute up after this. Professor, I, and I don't want you preaching because like, I, how do I ask this without setting you off on a tangent? I'm just going to say to you, there is no way the mechanics of Christ's crucifixion could work if, the, if what you hold is true. What guard could God the Father put up from becoming sin himself on the cross? How would God punish, like, you need to have a recognizable division in there somewhere for the mechanics of the crucifixion to be possible. Otherwise, God became sin. God the Father was punished, and there is no judge to reconcile to. Go ahead. Please. There is a mechanical distinction. So, Steph, let me say this, and then uh, maybe this will... Can I get this one explanation for Steph and be done? Can you do it in 30 point. seconds? Yes, I don't even I want it. You're so heretical. I'll, like, these were these were. No, I, 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 I would do it, I would do it in 30 seconds. Ago. Well, just if I could just say it in 30 seconds, there is a mechanical distinction because there's a consciousness of the eternal being and a consciousness of a new creation, which is the son. There's a distinct consciousness in John 5. Jesus teaches how one learns from the other. There's a created consciousness that has to learn to grow in wisdom as Luke 2 and 52 teaches. A person who has to learn and grow and who Jesus teaches the son is Mac, learning stop. everything Mac, that Mac, the father Mac, does. Mac, Mac, Mac. And, that's the, and that's the relationship. Two, seven, Mac, six, you're back at two five, distinct... Four. I cut him off. He only had 25. Mac, you're back at two distinct beings. Your position doesn't make sense. I don't think Lou was trying to talk. Hang on, hang on. This is never going to end. This, this, wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop, stop. This is never going to end. Lou, um, aren't you so glad we... Todd, I blame you for this. <laughs> Lou, what's up, Lou? No, Todd's up, Lou? great. And actually, I did have an answer <laughs> no, because to the question he about the eternal sonship. But like, I, yeah, we don't even need to answer his question about eternal sonship because his position is so inconsistent anyway. Okay, I'm sorry. No, no I, I, I just want him to say, I just want to hear him. Um, I want to see if I understand his position. So pretty much what you're saying is that Jesus is the voice of God. Like, literally his voice. Just like I'm talking right now, like, if I were God, my voice would be the sun. That yes. And uh, did he go away? Are you addressing Matt? Yes. Professor. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. I'd really like to get a new topic. <laughs> well, maybe Max busy anyway. Let's say he says oh, yes. Sorry. Let's, yeah, let's I, say he I, says I, yes. I caught a quick call. I'm sorry, but I mean it's cool. We can move on to a new topic. I appreciate the discussion and stuff. I know we can disagree on these things. I just I would just say. 
Did you hear like, my question? I, to take the time to actually learn the opposition is important. And look, I didn't hear your question. I caught a quick. I call, just so did. It was bogus. No, you you gave me a rapid fire. Only give five seconds for each answer. I don't want to hear you out. Just give me a quick answer discussion. That's not a real discussion. That's so. all I need to know that your position is inconsistent. Michael, you, how's you your that? day thank, going, thank Michael? You. Are That's you having a good exactly. day, Michael? <laughs> I hope everything's well with you, Michael. I hope you're speaking, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, I, hold on, real quick, Nate. Yeah, Lou wasn't. Or, or, oh, Steph, let you, how many of you answer my question? Is he saying that Jesus is the voice of God, but on Earth he's in a meat suit? Well, not quite. That. No, 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 he's no. Saying no. here's what I understood him saying because he's going to take ninety minutes to answer and throw a lot of Greek in there that doesn't mean what he thinks it means. So. What he is saying is that the word is only indistinguish or is only distinguishable from the father in that it physically Yeah. So I asked if it was locational and he said yes. So the idea is that the word goes out from the father's mouth and it does not return to him empty. So this is all one being, but locational difference. And then he throws in person and agency in there. Or could I add one thing if possible? And it's no, no, I don't think you need to. Well, so, well, if I could, I mean, I, geez, I, I would just try and be quick. I believe that Jesus Christ exists as a hypostatic union of two consciousnesses. Bro, you teach heresy, it doesn't matter. Exactly, well, well, it does matter. not matter. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and now, now, now you, see, you see the mistreatment in that yes. we can disagree. This was settled 1,800 years ago. You are bringing up not the old, like this was the first heresy that now. was put in the dust. We do not need... Then, like then, we, then why does Tertullian teach what I'm saying? I don't know what Tertullian what teaches. If he if he teaches what you're saying, he's also a heretic. I don't know but enough But he's the one who coined yet. your precious trinity. <sighs> Tertullian well, we did the Bible. Uh, yeah, the Bible. Um, no, 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 no. The word trinity came from Tertullian. I don't the care word, about the word trinity. That's why I said... The, the, the word may have came... Listen, Professor, the word may have came from Tertullian, but the concept behind the trinity... Came from the Bible. It's the written all I got the it. Bible through the Bible through the verses held, and through the pages. That's right. Tertullian held to dualistic uh, father and son, and then there's an addition at a later date of a Holy Spirit. That is that's heresy. He's trash. There you go. You happy? All right. Hey, um, if that's how you feel, then that's how you feel. But, so, but then so I'm you sorry, can't bro, uh, can, I, prof, can I just get in? So, so stuff for those of us who are slower in this room. Can you just recap <laughs> for me in 60 seconds what has happened? Can you just give me this a summary? This cannot be done. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay, so Professor Mack is holding to the idea that the Father is one being, but that visibly, as far as humans can understand, is distinct enough that we can say that he functions in multiple ways and can appear in multiple places without being more than one, but then also holds that Christ was distinct enough to be sacrificed. So there's a distinction, but not a distinction. Oh. Nate, you're right. I shouldn't have asked. Hey, everybody. No, no. Let's keep it going. What's up, Michael? What's up, Michael? Michael, yes, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. So uh, I don't think we should be too concerned with anything Tertullian said, because in about 203 in Decom Christi, he also wrote uh, Credo Quia Absurdum, which is translated roughly to mean it should be believed because it is absurd. So we shouldn't take anything Tertullian says seriously. <clears throat> um, but and the uh, assist yeah. from the atheist. Ha-ha. Yeah, he, he, um, did, he did come up with the word Trinity. So maybe we shouldn't take that seriously too. Huh? 
I'm not yeah. worried about the word. What is wrong with you? Don't you then teach why, college? Why do, and why do we keep using it if you're not concerned about it? Because, because it's, it's easy. an easy it's like way. When, it's, oh, like yes. when, it's like when people say Eve ate the apple. It's like apple's not the Bible. It didn't say about, oh, you know what we mean. It's a stupid fruit. It's a fruit. It's a fruit. <laughs> so so okay. it's like if, if we could say, you know, the triune nature of God every single time. But it's like, dude, Trinity, Trinity. It's easy. It's quicker. But if someone's like, what do you mean by Trinity? It's like, okay, we're talking about the triune nature of God. So if we could always remember to do that instead of Trinity. But if people aren't, you know, so quick to, to ju be judgy. And it's like, fine, I get it. When they mean Trinity, they mean the triune nature of God. That's what they mean. Okay. Yeah, and I it's believe, funny because, like, yeah, like I've said on many times on this stage, like, I don't know how you defend biblically anything but a Trinitarian view. And, and I'm convinced it's all nonsense. Um, but it, it's, like, it, it's funny. And, it, yeah, it, so let's just get to that. Nate, you want to change a topic? Um <laughs> Professor, the, uh, all the stuff you believe is just silly anyway. Like there's, like it's all made up. All right. So here, here's the thing, Mike, because you have an objective view because you don't have a dog in a fight, right? Although you have been highly influenced by Trinitarians, you do not have a personal dog in a fight. I'll give you that. All right. So when the Bible says in Second Corinthians three seventeen that the Lord is that Spirit, what does that mean to you? So, so you've heard it said, right? three like three entities one being so so there are times when you like it's 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 like the russian matryoshka dolls right there are multiples inside of one this is not a difficult concept to understand so but, but here's the thing michael so it's a, it's a part of the trinitarian doctrine uh, you've seen the triangle that says that, you know, these three are God, but one is not the other. To say that that this Jesus is not the spirit, but here in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it directly says that he is, would that not be a contradiction? No. <laughs> okay, let me let me just confirm. When, when 2 Corinthians 3.17 is talking about the veil taken away in Christ, and then it says, uh, and it calls him our Lord. It says, we profess uh, uh, that Jesus Christ as Lord. And it also says, the Lord is that spirit. Is that not teaching that Jesus Christ is that spirit? Again, from the from the three and one, one and three perspective, no, it's not. Because you don't, because what you have to do. This is again, where you use logic to just ignore words on, on a sheet no, of paper. No, that's, that's, that's not what I'm doing at all. <laughs> what I'm actually doing is I'm stepping back out and taking a 30,000 foot view. And not taking one piece of the Bible and saying, ha, here's where it says, you know, that, that they're, they're not one or that there's no Trinity. But you don't no, have no, to no, go No, 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 I'm saying that they are one. I'm saying that they are one. Right. Hang on just one second. You, you, don't have to go, you don't have to go past Genesis to see support for a, uh, for a triune nature of God. And, well, Mike, and, and you can even look at, like, you, you can look at the, the um, uh, when... Uh, when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, again, none of this happened, but according to the story, <clears throat> so you have, you have Jesus, right, in the water. You have, you, have the, you have the dove representing the Holy Spirit. And then you have the voice of God, according to the Bible, saying, here is my son who, and who I'm, I am well pleased. There's, there, there's a it's outline in the story right there. And again, if you take the 30,000-foot view... And you're right in that I don't have a dog in this fight. But when you said a minute ago that you know, the, the quote-unquote doctrine that supports oneness, 
what is your doctrinal support? Because there's tons of biblical support for the Trinitarian perspective. But even so, when I was a believer, I couldn't find, I couldn't see any doctrinal scriptural support for any kind of uh, oneness doctrine. All right. So let me, let me try and be clear in this way. Number one, I believe in the Trinity. I believe I'm a Trinitarian and a Unitarian and the more complete way because it allows... Okay, a second ago you talked about a contradiction. That's a direct no, no, contradiction. No, no, no. That you is know, an you know, A and I'm not a, a. A. If, if you let me, If you let me just finish, I believe that the Trinity defines three as one. That That is by definition Trinity, three as one. Um, three what and one what is the determination. But if you have three as one, if you have three wills as one card, that's a Trinity. Um, if you have three of anything as one something, that's a trinity. So while I believe in the trinity, I do not believe it in the same way that others may posit it. That being said, however, um, when I read for you scripture and you said you can't just go to one verse, I don't have to go to just one verse, but I have to go one verse at a time. And so I, what I don't like is when I go to one verse that clearly says what I teach, definitively says what I teach. There's no way around it saying what I teach, but then it being act like, oh, well, you're just using one verse or so you're being no. Because then I'll go to another verse that teaches what I teach. And then another, and then a plethora of 30 verses, if need be. But what cannot be dealt with, these are the three verses Trinitarians cannot deal with, as uh, today's Trinitarian teaches. Number one is the, the Bible clearly states that the Lord is. That word is is the is of identity. As sin is the root word of emi, means to exist as or to be. The Bible teaches us that the Lord exists as and is being the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, the second thing that cannot be dealt with is if they're not each other, then it violates Isaiah 44.24, where it says, I alone laid the foundations, stretched forth the heavens, and laid the foundations of the earth by myself. Grammatically, myself, I, by myself, grammatically speaks to one person. And that word is never I by myself has never been used to talk about more than one person. But this is what God is teaching us. So unless God has bad grammar, which I um, doubt. Then, God then, then, hang, hang on. Let, let me jump in here real quick. I think I've done less talking than I ever have. Um, All right, just, my bad name. To back up, back to the eternal sonship, Patricia made a good point, John 17, 5. It may be past that, but just to put it out because it was in chat. But uh, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I shared with you before the world was created. So um, there's that to recap. And then um, you even quoted Mac, um, you know, the Timothy scripture about all scripture is good for reproof and edification, things like that. Amen. Um, yeah. So taking that, you're citing very individual type scriptures um, at the cost of all the other good scriptures used for reproof and edification and growing. Um, so I would say, like, you know, you can make Jesus uh, Che Guerrera and a violent revolutionary if you take sell your cloak and buy a sword. Go crazy. Um, but if you take the rest of it, um, you know, you realize that that's not what he's saying to go on like, you know, a murdering rampage. And there's other times <laughs> in the Bible where it says, you know, at the end of things, the uh, swords are going to be, be beaten into plowshares. So, you know, you take the whole scripture. So whenever you talk about, uh, you know, eternal sonship or Trinity and all this, and you're citing very individual scriptures, it is a lot easier to take an individual scripture and make it mean what you want it to mean than it is to take, you know, the plethora of scriptures from the entire Bible uh, and reconcile them in totality to you know get the concept of the entire scripture rather than taking singular verses and you know making them mean what you need them to mean. 
That sounds a little right, harsh. So let's let's can be I fair. Okay. Well, can, yes, can sir, I defer well, to him yeah, first? Yeah, yeah. And can we also well, can we also let some of the other people? Yeah, I I, I do tend to dumb, and I and I always got to watch that. But you know, if people ask questions, I got to give the correct answer or the appropriate response. But all I'll say is this, Nate. I get what you're saying, but for everything that I'm saying, yeah, I have to start with one scripture, but for everything for which I claim, I can take you to two or three witnesses in scripture or more to prove, not just say or imply, but to prove what I'm saying. And this is the point. We're supposed to, the Bible teaches us to let every matter be established by two or three witnesses. And we know that scriptures serve as a witness. And so what I'm telling you is while I start with one scripture, I can give it in an isolated scripture. I can give it in the narrative. I can give it in context. I can give it as a direct teaching of Jesus Christ himself. You know, but so see, I, I'm not. But, but see, so so okay. can so can everyone else. Yeah, sir, David, I'm sorry. We're going right I, I to doubt, you. I so doubt can, that everyone so, wait, else. Wait, 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 grab it at the time, but you, one of the things that you very specifically stated was, does the Bible give any indication about Jesus being eternal? Um, and uh, yeah, Luke 1, 32 and 33, he will be great and eminent and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there shall be no end. Um, and Jesus himself, too, I think in Luke and in Matthew both, um, professes to have been the one at the burning bush speaking to Moses. So that just kind of gives that just to answer your question about Jesus being eternal. I just wanted to address that. Um, well, I, I do believe and, that he's oh, busy. I, I, well, I hang, hang on, hang on, Mac, Mac, hang on, hang on. Hang on. We're going to take a break. We're going to get some other people in here because you, you've talked for like an hour and a half. I, I, I'll um, take a break, Nate. I got you. I respect that, bro. But what I was going to say, if I can remember, was what Michael and I would actually agree on this. Whenever you say, you know, you can show and you can prove, well, so can everyone else. Um, but it, it's that word. If you can truly prove it, and then your only options are to say every Trinitarian in the world is brainwashed and that's why they don't believe your proof, or it's really not proof. Because if it was proof, you would convince people. Like people would have, there may be some who are brainwashed and will never believe it. No Look at my what. PTR, but if it was, that's all I gotta say. But yeah, okay, great. Then I guess you're saying we're all brainwashed. But most people who are reasonable would say, well, I guess my quote proof really was not proof. Otherwise, many people would have been convinced. Um, so I, I would say just, you know, whenever we say, I can prove this to you, and then what you are proving doesn't take, you need to do better. Uh, because if it was proof, people would be compelled and convinced. There would be some who I would probably agree and say, sure, they've brainwashed themselves. People didn't believe Jesus when he came with proof, people. More people okay, you didn't said believe take a break. Jesus than did. You said I you'd did. take a break. Why did you sorry. Um, let's see. Malik, welcome to Christian Hell. Just like to take everyone this time to remind that if you are a Christian – and your eternal uh, security is with Jesus Christ, this is the closest to hell you'll ever get. Um, <laughs> has that, has that hey, Nate. Yeah. Uh, I want to apologize for uh, creating mass hysteria that turned into <laughs> a, uh, uh enormous explosion that turned into a... Uh, heretical discussion that turned into what we have now. <laughs> I, I, I take full responsibility and I apologize. Uh, 
well, you can take a little, but I, I still blame Todd for most of it. <laughs> and then everyone who ever says, I just have something to say. This will be real quick. I blame all of them too. Like, you know how I know it's not going to be real quick? You just said it's going to be real quick. <laughs> I, I'm sure I've done that too. We're all friends here. We're all friends. Everything's good. Uh, yeah, Malik, what's up? How, how are you doing? I've been good. It's a, it was a good Friday morning. Um, it is it is a good Friday so far. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> what are we discussing? Uh, new topic. You pick. The topic is all yours. Anything you want that's not the Trinity, not internal sonship, and really, um, yeah, none of that. <laughs> How about, um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, dude. Give me this kind of power is dangerous. <laughs> could we go back to my original point and see what Malak thinks about it, or should we just leave that alone? Hey, you know what? I, I could, it's I'm probably y'all can. I, I'll, I'll leave so <laughs> y'all can have without me interrupting. I don't want to do that to y'all or your room. There. I do. <laughs> I do respect the time, though, Dave. Take care, Mac. <laughs> have a good weekend. All right, you guys. Until, all right, guys. Until next time. I'll be back at some point again. All right, bye. Uh, yeah, Adam's earlier question was just about divisiveness with the Christians on Clubhouse or at large. And, I mean, you know, what are we going to say? Either people's personalities suck and they need to work on it, but the people who qualify for those descriptors probably aren't aware or don't care. Um, so, you know, the chances of that are small. Um, and also, you know, on a, well, on a doc, on, Yeah, go ahead. Well, the whole premise of it, actually, that I was trying to get out, Nate, was, like, I feel like if we're going to go up against anybody with um, any, like, rebuttal statement or any debating topic or anything, uh, especially if it deals with the Bible, I feel like that instead of fighting with people and saying stuff about history and church fathers and stuff like that uh, as a as a means um, for the concept and as like as like the, the the strongest point that we go to I feel like we need to get scriptural and what I mean by that is is yes we believe, that, you know, certain things are wrong and all that stuff. But at times, especially even on here, I've seen where when people go up against people to rebuttal things and things like that, they say, well, this comes from your church fathers. This comes from this point in century. This comes from this time. And, and like, like they, they go off on that for hours minutes, days, and there's no scripture evidence given except what's coming against them is, is, is being scripture. But like, it's like, well, you're just getting that concept from this. You're just getting that from this. You're, and, and they like, don't give any backup scriptures or anything. Like I, I mentioned, and I think he's still down in the, yeah, down the audience, you know, we all know that, you know, baptized and, um, Bob believe in the um, the oneness uh, Jesus uh, the, the oneness thing where 
they don't believe Jesus is God or you know, how, however they believe. I don't know what it is, if it's oneness or what, but they believe that, that Jesus isn't God and all that stuff and everything. And, um, you know, it, it would it would be crazy for me to not give them scriptures to prove that Jesus is God and stuff like that. Um, but instead come at them and say, well, it's just because of your stupid belief and the, the stupid people that, that made up your stupid belief and, and, and all of that. I, I feel like that when we go up against these things, if we're arguing about doctrinal differences and scriptures, then we need to have the scriptures, even if it's the same scriptures they're presenting, we need to have them to a point to where we can explain them out as to why they're wrong in their interpretation of the scripture. Yeah, Malik, did you get all that? Um, I think labels are important, and I think and I, I, I am I am for and when I say divisiveness, I'm not talking about divisiveness of of fighting. I be I think I think it's a very it should be very clear if someone is a Lutheran, Presbyterian, and it should be very clear. The distinction, distinction, what what makes you a Lutheran? The distinction between a Lutheran, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Methodist. These distinctions are very important because in these distinctions, I'm able to engage in the conversation that Adam was talking about. So, for example, this is what I, exactly what happened with Adam and myself when Adam was uh, when Adam was holding to Reformed theology. Is that when we would evangelize, when we would go out there and preach together, um, they would accuse him of being a cessationist. And because well, he was a partial sensationist, he would just step away and say, Malik, it's all yours. Because he knew where I stood. He knew exactly where I stood. So this is a place where he was able to, you know, sit back and just watch me engage with the individual. So when, when, when these, and I, 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 I do get what you're saying, Adam, but I think, I think these things have to be clear. Like they have to be clear and they have to be out there. People have to be bold and 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 uh, you know, put a little more base on their on their statement of faith. Um, you know, um, put a little bit more. You know, put a little more backbone in that, and exactly say what they believe. Because, um, uh, for example, um, this, this is this is why we have, for example, the Hebrew Israelites. Once you ask them what what you know what background are you coming from, they get all upset and all you know. Flip. Does it really matter what I believe? Does it really matter what Bible I use? Does it really matter? Why? Because again, they're coming in with an agenda. But if they were bold and straightforward, these conversations would be a lot easier to have. Um, so I, which I do get your sentiment, Adam. I, 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 I partially don't agree. I think that these things have to be out there in the open and clear. Um, we are not uh, Christianity. Christianity is around Jesus Christ, and, and I think it's, it, I think it's okay. It is okay that within orthodoxy, we disagree. There's no problem with us disagreeing, as long as we hold to orthodoxy. Does that make sense? Oh, he's on a call. Oh, well. I'm not uh, going to repeat I think that. He, I, I think he is going more like for, um, you know, like all the recent... You know, you're a heretic. You're a heretic. Like, instead of just going like, uh, you know, like pedal to the metal, like, you know, you're a heretic because your argument's stupid. Um, like, you're a heretic because Matthew six twenty four. I think what he was saying, like, why don't we use scripture 
and by we, I'm excluding myself from that. But you know, you know, you know the kind of personalities who like it, they just mm-hmm. dismiss people um, by just being like, "You're stupid." That's a dumb argument. Instead of like, oh. the reason you're wrong is John eight twenty seven. Well, I mean, if we, this is where I'm going to get in trouble. If, <laughs> if, if all of us use the same measuring stick to measure and establish our doctrine, that would be easy. But because we all, we don't, we don't use the same measuring stick to, to establish and to establish and, and proclaim our doctrine. Um, uh, we, and this is a problem that when, when, um, uh, when a doctrine is being established and we question where it's coming from, um, and I'm asking, I'm, you know, I'm asking you, you know, where does doctrine come from? And, 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 and we've gone to nine different verses and you still, you still can't establish your doctrine. You got you got to admit your doctrine is not based on scripture. And that's the problem that people don't are willing to admit that. I don't know if Adam heard any of that, but I'll tell him when he comes back, but we've been talking about that for like the first hour of today. <laughs> I'm back. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to, like, I was just trying to figure something out. With the re- the replay is available, Adam. <laughs> the replay is available. All right. That, that's fine. I'll, I'll listen to it. Half um, the thing I said I don't remember. I'm, I'm the same way, especially when I'm doing two things at once like I am right now. Hi, Sister Connie. Sorry I haven't had a chance to uh, get back to you on the the private message you sent me. I've been uh, I've been working a lot and <laughs> and everything, but I appreciate it. So, Connie, anything else on your mind today? Perhaps not. Michael, back to you. Oh, so you're going to leave me hanging, too? No, I'm here. I, I feel like I need to, like, it was funny when I, when I came in, everything was hot and heavy. I feel like I need to take an express flight down to Florida and buy you a beer or something. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I, well I have a question for you, Michael, about something you just said. So oh, yeah. yeah far away. You, you said something about um, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus, and then you said all of this stuff is made up anyway. So do you think even specifically that aspect is made up? Uh, no, so, so I, don't, I don't discount the existence of Jesus as a historical figure, uh, nor John the Baptist. Um, so there may well have been a Baptist. It's the, it's the voice from above that obviously didn't happen. Okay, got it. Thanks for the clarity. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no worries at all. Um, so yeah, no, but I mean, I agree a lot with what you said when you were talking about, you know, it's like, um, <clears throat> you know, going out to the genetic fallacy, right? You know, you're wrong because you're stupid. Um, you know, but but if you can if you can say, hey, you're wrong, and here's even if even if it comes down to a matter of faith, um, which it all does, right? Hebrews eleven six, um, which is fine, right? So, but, it, but when you can say, hey, you're wrong, and here's the reason why I say it's wrong. I don't say you're wrong because I think you're uneducated or anything else, or ugly or something like that. Um, but, you know, the reason I think you're wrong is this, you know, because, the, and especially if you're talking to a fellow believer about something like Trinity versus oneness or something like that, you can say, well, you know, here's the thing we both hold up as our final authority, right, the Bible. Um, and here, right here is where what you said doesn't mesh with, with what the, the book we both hold as true says, and that's why I say you're wrong. So I, I, I agree totally with what you said. 
Yeah, your your audio is chopping up. I, I didn't correct you earlier because you're agreeing with me, <laughs> but it, it is a little staticky. Uh, I don't know if what's going. Yeah, on I'm in a store. I'm in a I'm in a big cement box right now, so it's oh. yes. Yeah, it should be it should be better in a couple of minutes. And uh, random random had a question earlier. It said, "How can we? Uh, what was it? How can we prove objective morality, or how can we verify it?" Um, and I, I said in chat, um, I guess we can talk about it now. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a faith position if you if you take what I believe objective morality is, which is it comes from God. So, I mean, well, I mean, if objective morality comes from God, I mean, you have to have faith that God exists. Like you, And then he says, so there's no way to prove it. Well, based on my description of it, no, because, I mean, you may as well just ask the question, can you prove God? Well, well no, I can't prove God. Like, I can't pull God out of the sky and present him for you. So, I mean, because, like, objective morality is intrinsically tied to God. So whenever you say, well, you can't, you can't, so objective morality is a faith position. Well, yes, because we have faith God exists. Um, so if we could prove God exists, well, then we could, that would be subsumed. Uh, objective morality would be subsumed in the proving of God. So yes, the way I believe it, yeah, you would, you would have to prove God exists. Yeah, and I think that whole thing is really interesting, right? Because you can't, I mean, the whole idea, I guess it depends how you're defining terms, right? But the idea of objective, right? If you define if you're defining objective being my understanding is independent, then there's no such thing as objective morality, right? Because it, at the end of the day, when it, you have to boil it down to this little common denominator, it's still why is it why is it wrong? Because God said it was wrong. That's not that's not objective. That's subjective on his opinion. So, um, but that's a different argument to get into. Well, you yeah we uh, yeah your audio is really bad, but yeah I mean we've walked through that why I, I believe it's not subjective even though it's God's opinion. But anyways, Chris, were you about to uh, say something nice or call me a Calvinist again? <laughs> I mean you are a Calvinist, but you just don't realize it yet. It's fine. Um, oh. But uh, <laughs> so here, the thing is, is that we yes it is a faith position, but it is not without evidence. If I were to tell you, please prove to me that love exists. I mean, love is an abstract concept. Love. Um, so, at love is an abstract concept. Now, I can give you evidences of love, and I can give you examples, but I can't just produce for you three ounces of love. Right? Like, or two and a half feet of love. You know, there's just, it's, it, abstract concepts are able to be demonstrated with evidence, but they are not um, something that you're just going to be able to prove, like you can prove that water exists. Uh, actually, yeah, that's that's not that's not the case, Chris. Uh, hopefully my audio holds it at least a little bit. It's so, very bad. Yeah, so you can actually demonstrate love. There's a thing called an fMRI or a functional magnetic resonance imaging machine where you can actually do scientific tests. What you do is you hook someone up to this machine and you show them pictures of people that they love and you show them pictures of people they don't love. And there's actually reactions where you can actually measure the distance. So love is actually something we can measure. Well, you can measure yeah, the biochemical so, so, yeah. reactions, but then you'd have to assign that like love, which I think is more than just the biochemical reaction. I would Correct. Argue. Right. And so that would be evidences... That would be evidences in in favor of believing that, that that's love, but the chemical reactions in your brain are not love itself. They are the chemical reactions as a result of love. So that's a huge difference. Yeah, but so when you break it down to the lowest common denominator, 
everything is a chemical reaction. That's all we are. Ah, see, chemical that's, the chemical problem. Reactions. that's the problem. I'm that's not a all we are. Yeah, we're not, we're not just fizzing bags of chemicals. That's the atheist worldview. I have a different worldview. I reject, actively reject your worldview, and I accept the Christian worldview, and I can produce evidences against your worldview. And that's okay. And you, you can produce evidences against my worldview. It's just going to be, one is going to be actually, objectively true, and the other one is not. But again, it depends how we're defining objective. Right? No, it doesn't. There is one. There is What's one your definition of objective? I'm objectively about to hang myself from the ceiling. Yeah, so <laughs> objective is something that is true outside of any sense perception or outside of any logical ability to have a mind perceive something. something or that a is mental true state, that, right? That is, or a mental state. So something that is true without any mental state, without any mind, or without any. Um, physical reality. Okay. That is what well, I feel, Chris, is. So by definition, wrong. that is God. God is objective truth. Chris, why is so, murder wrong? Say what? I, you're breaking up. Chris, why is murder wrong? Because God has said murder is there wrong. There you go. According to his opinion. Thank you. Right. Yes, thank you. Like That, uh, is, that is objectively true. Random, you were saying something? Yeah, so uh, so if objective refers to outside of any mental state, then how can objective uh, morality be verified if it relies on a mental state? So uh, I, I, someone asked this just yesterday, I think. Um, like, it's a definition of terms, right? So I, I define objective morality, um, and I think some other Christians may too, uh, by saying... This is my position, right? So I'm not going to say, I believe, I believe, you know, I believe it. So, you know, because God exists and God has no equal. If there was another equal who could give their opinion that could challenge God, then you couldn't say it's objective because God has a challenger. So you would have equal, equal opinions uh, battling. So it would be subjective. But because God has no equal, that even though it is technically an opinion of God, because there is nothing else that can give a rival opinion on that same equal level of God, then that is why I'm calling it objective. So that's how I define the terms. Um, so if that's not acceptable to you, um, then you would hear that as, okay, well, he's uh, you know, defining it subjectively with a few caveats. So I define that as objective morality, and Christians will be subjective in how we all live up to it. Um, but if, you don't, if, if that's too hard to take, the way I define my terms as objective, then you should hear that as you know, subjective, Morality with uh, several caveats. So, uh, I guess I guess my confusion, and maybe, maybe this will make sense. It sounds like you're just kind of changing, changing the definition of objective to suit your ends. Is that accurate? Well, well, well no. I, I would say, uh, from your perspective, yes. But from my perspective, that's how it is. I'm not changing it. Like people change the words of subjective morality, so it, other people are changing it to fit their ends. Um, so it's it's the inverse of what you're saying. But from your perspective, that's how I see it. Um, but no, I think that's really how it is. Like I think objective right. morality is there is is defined by no one can challenge it. If there was another god that was just like you know the god I believe in, and they were battling of opinions, well then it's subjective. So I, I take the thing where you say subjective is only opinion. I would say only an opinion among equals. So if there's something that is not equal, then it can't be subjective. It can't be challenged. 
because there's no one equal to challenge it. No equal authority can challenge it. So it is right. objective. What Nate is trying to say is there's necessary and contingent. We are contingent beings. We are creatures. We have creaturely moral agency. Um, God is other. God is the necessary being from which all contingency flows. And so um, God's moral standard is part of his necessary being. You cannot ground truth or existence in anything except for God. Right, but but again, it, it really seems like you're utilizing objective, and maybe this is this kind of goes to what Nate said. It, it really seems like you're using objective in a different way than it's generally always used, right? So so if there is an objective morality, regardless of my mental state of believing in God or not, I should be able to verify objective morality. And so if well, that's the case, if you're why, claiming why that it's think, objective. Why do you think that? Why do you think that? Why would you think that you, as a prisoner of your sense experience, can have an epistemological certainty about something that is objective? Why do you think that? Because we seem to have the ability to have epistemological certainty to other objective things. So is it are, are are some are some objective things special? No, like what, what, what else is objective? Well, gravity. You, you said it though, random. You're saying other than how it's normally used. It's normally used in a non, in a non-theistic, non-spiritual, very natural sense. So, right, like because it we're, doesn't, we're talking, it doesn't depend but, but, on a mental state. My, right, right. But by the time you talk about mental state, you're talking about subjective, natural creatures. Like whenever you talk about objective morality, uh, usually, like like the way it's usually talked about, something is objectively right or objectively whatever. You talk about on a natural level. But whenever I'm talking about it, I'm talking about the whole, uh, you know, the whole enchilada, the whole thing. So I'm already positing the existence of a supernatural being, which is usually not the way objective morality is, is talked about. So it's like already a layer bigger. So I don't think I'm changing things and not saying like, no, no, I'm playing in your sandbox how objective morality is normally talked about, meaning up between other humans and other countries, other cultures to get some to try to talk about an objective stance or, or something consensus that way. I'm saying, no, no, let's go above that and posit the existence of a divine being. And so, yeah, I mean, it's off the beaten track, but I mean, that's what I think ultimate objective morality comes from. So I would say I'm not changing it. Uh, I'm adding a layer that is not the norm when we're talking about this stuff. And random, using trying to use physical laws as standards of objectivity, um, I mean, prove to me you're not a brain in a vat. So epistemologically, prove to me you're not a brain in a vat, and Nate is a mad scientist that has created a vat for your brain and has entrapped you in that vat. Go ahead, show me. Oh show no, me no, how no, you can no, no! I, 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 I very much acknowledge. Like I assume that I exist, and I assume that an aspect of existence is that it can and does consistently interact with other existence, i.e., the, the the consistency of nature. I assume those two things, and then I build everything else up upon those two things, and I assume those things because they seem necessary to assume. Sure, and all we're saying is that we ground those things that you see as necessary in the, the person and nature of God. That's all. That's How? the only difference. Why? That our, why? our three why? suppositions why are slightly different. But why do you assume God? Believing that it is, like, that... That, that doesn't give any reasoning right, why for assumption. Do you, again, why do you assume? The question, why can you assume that you're not a brain in a vat? Why can you assume that you, you know, have these mental states that are valid? It's the same, re it's the same reason we can assume that there is a God. They're just assumptions. They're presuppositions 
that each of us are making. And then we have to we have to evaluate truth statements based on our own presuppositions is all I'm saying. Do, do you believe that you exist? Absolutely. Sure. So we have the same assumption. We, 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 we both assume that we exist. Right. Right. But I've got I've got something underpinning that belief that I exist. Right. You have an additional assumption. I have an I have an additional underlying assumption that is the foundation for all other assumptions. Right. But but your assumption that God exists is a non sequitur to you existing. It doesn't necessarily follow. No, no, it does follow. I mean, again, I I don't want to go down the whole rabbit hole of presuppositional here, but like. It absolutely follows. And if you want to go the van to the full Vantillian route, we can go through that whole thing. You know, we could do that. Uh, I'm not super, super familiar with it. I'm just starting to read. Um, uh, I'm just finishing Bonson and I'm just starting to read Vantill. But like, yeah, I mean, we can we can go that route. I mean, and I can show you logically where, you know, these assumptions have to underpin all reality. But I don't think we really want to do that right now. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Because because Nate absolutely despises such conversation. I'm starting to love the torture I've been subjected to today. It's empowering in some level. So, so I was gone for a large portion of the day. Like, what exactly transpired, Nate? Oh, it's been just, you know, like, if you could take all the arduous, long conversations that make me want to, like, you know, feed myself to alligators, and you could put them all into one day, (laughs) that's what this day has been. Bro, I was only gone an hour. How did that all happen in an hour? That's amazing. Oh, man. We talked. I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. Just watch the replay. <laughs> and don't be near razors. So, it, it's it's really interesting. And this is the, this is the, the you know, I don't want to do a, a slap and a run, but we don't have to talk about the pre-sub thing too long. But, Chris, it's it's with all the conversations you and I have had, which have been over two years now, because I just saw my thing pop up and, Clubhouse has been more than two years of, I've been on the app. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is the best, and, and how do I say this as plainly as possible? The best, it's the best way to take everything that you and I have established from a relationship in talking honestly with one another, the best way to scrap all that is to go the Van Til and Bonson route and start with your conclusion. I, and I would, I would implore you to please not do that because you can, you can talk about, Oh, you have to have this underpinning you have, and you can have this underpinning, but what you can't do without that presupposition is justify it in any verifiable way. So if you're going to start with your conclusion, that's fine because we all have presuppositions. We all have axioms. We all have properly basic beliefs, whatever you want to call that. But what Random was saying is absolutely true. It is most reasonable to assume what is correct is the position that has the fewest assumptions. And what he was trying to point out to you is that we all have assumptions. You're adding one more to it which you do not, you positively do not have the capacity to justify. Well, wait, whenever we're talking oh, about assumptions, like, like, but I mean, by adding one more assumption, I mean, it's like, 
how many assumptions have you added just to your own life? I mean, you know, having the having the less assumptions, like for a starting ground. I mean, even if we conceded that, I'm not saying I would, but even if we just for expediency concede, fine. The less less assumptions are usually uh, a better position to start in. Or Occam's razor, the simplest answer is usually the right one. Well, first of all, usually doesn't mean absolutely. But I mean, what are we gonna do? Like, just be, be like, okay, I believe I exist, and then have no other beliefs. Like, I believe the sun will rise in the morning. Like, we're going to pile on more and more beliefs as we live. So one of those beliefs that just happened to show up for me is I'm convinced and believe that this God exists and, and all the things that come from that. So, I mean, just because that's one more added assumption doesn't somehow make God false by, by adding one more assumption to something that maybe doesn't necessarily absolutely have to be an extra assumption. Like at this point in our life, we've got, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of assumptions about things doesn't make i mean some of them could be wrong it doesn't mean they're all are I, I i agree with you almost without caveat but and this is something that a lot of presuppositionalists don't like to don't like to talk about but and this will sound this will sound much more arrogant than i mean it to be however the death knell for presuppositionalism is that is that people say oh you start with the christian god you positively do not there is no such thing as starting with the Christian God, because you have to have foundational beliefs below that. For example, and this is just, this is unavoidable, and Bonson and Von Till can just take a giant leap if they were, if they were both dead. Um, you must, and in heaven. you must assume the reliability of your senses as a more primary starting point than your belief in the Christian God. You must. I don't care what anybody says. And because, like, we both have to start out with that. So, so when people say, oh, I start with God, no, you don't. And if you tell me you start with God, you're lying to not only everybody else, but you're also lying to yourself. Uh, Matt, because you must, a, have, you must have more foundational beliefs. Yeah, sorry, go can ahead. Can I ask a clarifying question? So I see both sides of this. So what you say, yeah, you have to start with yourself. Otherwise, you, you can't think, you can't process to be like, aha, God. But is that what they are doing by saying, you know, they're, they're being dishonest because of the way you said, or are they saying, no, no, yes, I have faculties. Like I absolutely, I start with myself, uh, you know, in, in the micro scale to recognize that, yes, I exist, I have thoughts, and now I can reason my way to God. Or are they saying that they just come up with God before they do that? Or would they be saying, no, no, what you said, Michael, is true. Yes, we recognize we have thoughts and we can think, and that's how we get to God. But they're saying in the, in the micro, I use macro wrong. In the macro scale, now that I've done all that, now I start with God. Like even though I, I like retconned it backwards after I could think and breathe and you know have eyeballs to read, now that I've done all that, I start with God because God precedes me. Even though there was a time I had to work through this myself and be like, I can breathe, I can smell. But now that you've done that, you can see how, well, before you existed, God existed. Is that more like what they're doing? Yeah, that's a that's an incredibly charitable way of saying what I kind of said. Um, so yes, yes, you can say that. But you know, to to paraphrasingly quote the vagabond prince of presuppositionalism, Cy Ten Brudenkate, who was a who was an in-house, he came to my house uh, to record a podcast episode with us a few years ago. Said he said, quote, if you do not start with the Christian God. You don't have a foundation for anything, unquote. That is dishonest 
And the reason for that is because foundational to your belief in God is the foundation of the reliability of your senses. And so if, if you want to say what you say, Nate, like, okay, fine, I'll grant that. But you are now on the receiving end of the unfortunate burden of proof to justify how you started. Like, so starting with your senses, fine. But then as a supplemental foundation to that, starting with something that you absolutely, positively have no way to verify exists in the first place. And that's why that like I have I have all the time and energy in the world for someone who wants to say, here are the reasons I believe in God. And and, and so and, and therein lies my belief. Cool. Uh, awesome. Well, you well, and I have done that before. Chris and I have done that before. It's fine. I've got no problem with that. And I know that at a at a at a, at a level you agree with the presuppositional approach, but you don't you don't start and end there. And you're not so dishonest to say, look, if you don't start with God, then you can't even justify you can't even justify your thinking or how you're making words up in your head or why you're saying these words right now. The presuppositionalists will say something like, oh, atheists can count, but they can't account for counting. As <laughs> if that as if that is a logical argument in any way, shape, or form. No, it's not. But, but, and that's why Michael, and, like, and and the reason why I'm being why, saying, do, they, uh, why you, do they say you, that though? Like why do they because, say that? Because they want to try to find they want to try to find the way to end around and to say I can account for it because I start with God, which again is a dishonest position because you started with your senses in the first place. And the reason but, Chris, but, the wait, reason but, why I'm so passionate they, about this Why do they say that? But why do they say that? What is the They say it as, they say it as a trope. They say it as a trope. It's nothing more than that. Is they there, say so it as a trope. No reasoning. There's no reasoning behind it. It's simply a blind. Oh no! There's a ton of reasoning behind it. There's a ton of reasoning behind it, but it's all foundationally dishonest. And Chris, the reason why, just give me like the last 15 seconds. The reason why I'm so passionate about this and talking about this with you is because you are smarter than this. I've listened to you talk about stuff. I've listened to the books you've read, the people you've talked to, and all this other stuff. And it would be a disservice for someone as smart as you to chuck that in and say, "Piff, I'm going to start with God." But see, the, the, the difference is that I've always started with God. It's just that I use an evidential 